You're listening to Cowboy Shit with Ted and Wacy. Brought to you by Everything Cowboy. Still Snoop Dogg and D.I. Guess who's back? Welcome back. This is Cowboy Shit with Ted and Wacy. My name is Ted Stobin. He's Wacy Anderson. I'm not going to lie. I feel a little shitty today. Uh, you came down with the case of the vid. Yeah, I got the Rona. It, you know, it's funny. I saw a tweet from uh, Kristen Anderson. She works for Post Media here in Calgary. I've met Kristen, I think. Yeah, she and I met uh, probably like 2012, 13, 14, somewhere in there during the mm-hmm. Calgary Stampede. And uh, she works the Stampede every year, her and Wes Gilbertson usually for Post Media. Mm-hmm. Kristen, does, Kristen does the rodeo. West does the chuck. Sometimes they do bo- a little bit of both, yeah. I guess. But and they both cover the flames. Yes, exactly. Yeah. So it's been fun to. Uh, we met at the airport one time, Wace, actually, I think. Oh, nice. Now we're going somewhere. Maybe Storm and I were. I don't know. Anyways. But she was like, I dipped, dodged, ducked, dived, and dodged COVID, and then finally got it. So <laughs> uh, here I am. Here you are. Here I am, and it uh, hasn't been too horrible. I know you had it uh, like October of 2020. Yeah, 2020. Yeah. Yeah, like you had the OG. Had the OG strain of COVID. Yeah, and it wasn't very fun for you. You lost your taste. It was pretty rough. Eh? It was a. It was an interesting. For, like it was one of those things where, like, I felt every symptom over the course of the 14 days. Like there was two weeks. Okay. Holy. Yeah, there was like. Um, like a couple days, it's kind of like a roller coaster, like peace and valley. Like there'd be a couple of days I'd feel shitty, and then a couple of days I'd feel fine, and then but everything kind of differed. But I never wanted at one point felt like I needed to go to the hospital, but definitely wasn't a fun yeah. time. No, the worst was like the last few days, but I think a part of that too is sitting around for two weeks straight, like doing nothing. Yes, it's tough. Yeah. So, How long did it take you to get your lungs back when you did shit again? Oh, you know what? I really I, played you know, hockey for like so long. We only just started playing hockey. Consistently. Yeah, and you know, and I never really affected my lungs that much. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. yeah I, I feel like it's not in my. Way. I feel like it's not quite in my lungs right now. It's really in my sinuses. Mm-hmm. Although I was like, I did, I did a bunch of stuff all day today, and then I got like worse in the afternoon, and then mm-hmm. tried to like have a shower and have some hot water, like try and clear it up, but didn't didn't pan didn't out. Work. But anyways, I I feel pretty good considering and glad I considered. Glad I got the old uh, Moderna. Hopefully that's been helping. I feel sure like it has. probably has. Did not get the booster yet, but whatever. We're getting through it. Getting some natural mm-hmm. immunity. Mm-hmm. Time mm-hmm. for summer. Hey, right. There you go. Get it over with. Then we can get, get back it, to Yeah, work. get it Get it when it's slow. It's the, it's the way to do it. Yeah, I couldn't have really picked a better time. <laughs> the only thing I missed was some hockey games this week, but otherwise, you know, not a big deal. Oh, and things are, com- house, things are coming yeah. back. Things are coming back, too, slowly. Yes. We're slowly getting our being able to do things again, which is great. Had a beer at the South Dome last week. Yeah, wasn't that it's fun? Great. It's very nice. Hawk, well, I, I like watching hockey, but having a dome foam in hand makes it that much better. That much more sweet, isn't it? That much How more sweet, sweet it is. So. And soon so, we'll be able to dance again. Uh, like at the, what, at the bar? Yeah, you're allowed to. We soon will be allowed to get up from our table mingle. and dance. You can yeah, mingle. Make some mingling. Yeah, it's not exactly. gonna be good for old ways. Get her all, get the girls on the, it, on it, the old dance floor. Man, you know what? It's been it's been a very hard time to be a single person in the last two years. I'm not saying not complaining by any means, but just like for everybody, like, not making so any like, excuses or anything. But it's hard. Hundred well, just it's it's like well, like for the past two years, you've probably been able to like get up from your table or go to the bar with more than a handful of people and there hasn't really been any events to go out and meet people. Like 
it's a definitely a different world in, for the, in the dating game, that's for sure. You've really had to improve your nonverbal communication. Yeah, and it kind of, that kind of sucks, too. Like, I don't know, I hate I, I know. Yeah, and, I hate yeah. it even dealing with you sometimes. We get mad at each other because yeah. we don't talk on the phone or in person. It's funny yeah. how it works. Yeah, that's just what she goes. If we always agreed, uh, if we always agreed, if we always if we always saw eye to eye, we wouldn't be at this point. I think. Oh yeah, I know what you we mean. We don't want. We can't be having group think. Yeah, I know what you mean. Um, mm-hmm. so we we did uh we recorded the show earlier today, and then had a little interlude, and then you were actually uh it's Friday today's Friday yeah it's Friday and you had Friday, the day baby. off, and you were watching uh-huh. some Star Wars, so we have, we're having a little conversation during. It's COVID, a well. Yeah. During COVID, Storm and I uh, watched the whole thing. I'd never really watched them all. Like, I'd, I'd seen parts of them here and there and, like, mm-hmm. never really dabbled. It's kind of like the Harry Potter stuff, actually. So, mm-hmm. Harry Potter, I hadn't really watched them all the way through, but we just did that this year. Mm-hmm. So, over the last, like, two winters, we've watched some some major movies, but you're you're going to watch it again. This, you're kind of a guy that watches you, you watch stuff again to prepare yeah. for something new to come out. But, I, but usually, like, I usually... I usually watch like I I fucking love Star Wars. It's not it's a well known fact amongst my well friends. Done. I literally have a I have a Mandalorian poster in my bedroom. Like I I'm a huge Star I'm a huge Star Wars guy. Um, but yeah, I there's a new series coming out uh in March 25th, uh, the Obi Wan Kenobi series, and he's like my favorite character from the show. Um, so yeah, to, and I usually watch Star Wars like the whole way through like once a year just because I, it's one of my favorite things to watch. So, but yeah, it's, it's kind of like it's funny because there's a couple of different arguments on how you should watch it. Whether you should start with the original movies from the '80s and then kind of work your way to the new ones, or you watch them chronologically. Harrison Ford is like late '70s, isn't it? Well, the first one was the first one. The first one was '77, and then everything else yeah. is In is '80. But so a fun that's fact a about shit, the though. fun fact about stuff. the Kenobi series. That comes out on the 45th anniversary of the first Star Wars. Oh, that's cool. Yeah, it's pretty neat. So I'm pretty stoked for it. But anyways, um, so yeah, so for me, I like watching it chronologically just because I like seeing that story unfold. But the argument for watching it, like the old ones first and the new ones, is because you kind of get like, like Darth Vader gets built up to be this like super villain, like scary guy, like whatever, and then you kind of get to see how he became Darth Vader in the prequels, which is pretty cool. All that that really stuff. blew my mind because I never really knew that part of it. Yeah, it's pretty cool because oh, he's Anakin, right? Yeah, he's Anakin. Exa- yeah, he's Anakin yeah. exactly. And, I, and like he's like the prequels get a lot of flack because like the OG Star Wars fans don't like the CGI and all that kind of stuff and mm. whatever. But I love how they did it. Like his character arc through the original series is, or through the prequel series is great. Like seeing how seeing how and why he becomes Darth Vader is so cool. And That's I'm a big fan impressive. of it. And and. uh um well didn't they and, did and they, you and Maker. weren't the original ones like did they bring him back like 30 years later what was the story there it was early 2000s so how, how did it yeah, all so, come to be it was so it like I, they made the first three movies but they were four five and six but were they yeah. actually four five and six at the time? yeah yeah they're four five they're because they, that was always the george lucas's plan was to create do the first ones uh like the old like the four five and six and then do one two and three later on because he, he really? expected technology to get better as part oh, of shit. it, yeah. Oh wow, yeah. I didn't know that. Yeah, that's pretty so wild. And then yeah, the seven was really cool too. To have yeah, like the, the very very the last new ones. one. Yeah, yeah, the new ones are cool. Like, well, those seven, I, eight, nine, isn't there three? Yeah, new seven, ones? eight. Yeah, three new ones. There's there's three trilogies, so yeah, it's pretty cool. See how it all unfolds, and then 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 you throw in like stuff like the solo movie. Rogue. Have you seen Rogue One? 
I don't know. I have to go back. Man, and it's I'm, that, that's like one of the best like Star Wars projects that have been done. It's so do they cool. Fit, do they fit in the story? Yeah, it's all. It's all like you can just search like search a uh, Star Wars chronological order. It has all the movies and stuff there. But there's like Rogue One. And there's like a cartoon series called The Clone Wars, which is really cool. You need to learn more about like Anakin and Obi Wan. And then there's like the Mandalorian and Book of Boba Fett. Like Mandalorian is sweet, dude. Season I oh. cried at the end of season two of the Mandalorian. It was wild, yeah. dude. Oh man, it was cool. But I guess I might have to look into that someday. I man, I I've like read the books. Like I read like the the prequel books. Like there's episode one, two, and three. They have the books for them. I read those when I was a kid. Um, yeah, I love I love Star Wars, dude. It's cool stuff. So mm-hmm. I'm getting getting prepared for the Kenobi series. So that's gonna be a banger because uh, Ewan McGregor and Hayden Christensen are back. So like like um. Obi Wan's original actor and Anakin Skywalker, like and Darth Vader, he's back for the series. So, like from the like original seventies or the, from no, the, no, all from the new ones, like the new the ones, like the prequels. Yeah, the prequel ones. Yeah. But is Harrison Ford in it? No, he's dead. Harrison Ford didn't die. Oh, but he, he died did. in the movies. Yeah. He, but like, or his like his character, his characters, his characters dead, but he wouldn't be he's involved. Not, he didn't die. So, yeah. so Keno- the Kenobi Obi Wan Kenobi series happens ten years after Episode Three. Okay. So it's between three and four, but ten years after Anakin becomes Darth Vader. Okay, it's the time frame for that. So yeah, I don't, I don't know enough to really know what's going on, but but cool, but cool, right on. Yeah, anyway, okay. Star Wars stuff. Yeah. So what else is going on? So yeah, Hannah, we lost the A final. What else? Oh yeah, Hannah recap. That was a fun match. Still a fun weekend. Yeah, we had a good, 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 good crew. Good to be back. Brady, Rolo, great goaltender. Would recommend. Great goalie. But I think he signed a. 19-year contract. He just took over. Stuff. He just took over my contract. Yes. Because six years ago or seven years ago, I signed a 25-year deal, and now yeah. I've handed that, handed that off to him. So I'm, ha- I'm more than happy to do that. So that's true. It was a heck of a weekend. It was a lot um, of fun. I don't know where I got if I got the COVID there or somewhere else, but uh, I mean, what do you what, even what do you if I got it for COVID too? Even if I got it in Hannah, <laughs> it's worth it. We're on pro, the, the the big value anchors are code of COVID protocol until next season. Until like next earlier. Yeah, until next year, yeah. Yeah, that's pretty <laughs> funny. Um, Katie, I, there's one question. There's a couple questions I want to ask you. Oh yeah, for the top part. Okay, what was the number one song the year you were born? Did you find it? 1990. Actually, just looking it up right now. Number. There you go. About, Mine's Black or White by Michael Jackson. Ooh, that's a good one. Yeah, the number one country song on the number one country song on my birthday is "She Got the Rhythm" and that goes to blues by Alan Jackson. <laughs> Banger. Uh, What's your name? number one country? Here's May eighth, right? Number one country song. Hold, uh, help me hold on by Travis Tritt. That's country. What do you got for the whole for? Uh, Sneed O'Connor. Nothing compares to you. I don't know that one. I think if I heard it, I'd know what it is. But that's pretty Maybe cool. Maybe there'll uh, be some good ones for Sean to put in the show this. Dude, week. I had the whole I had the whole section in my office on Thursday before I left. Like, finally, I distracted everybody. There's like 12 people trying to find out what their favorite or what their song top song was in their birth year. But that's awesome. Well, we can pose the question to the people. Found? What was um, 1992 is actually a banger for music. You had a couple good ones there. Yeah, 1992 is sweet. Um, so black or white. Um. I wonder what Sean. I wonder what Sean's birthday is. Black or white? Michael Jackson um, was on there. I'm too sexy for my shirt was number uh, four by Right Said Fred. To be with you by Mr. Biggs a banger. Jump Ooh, yeah. by Criss Cross is on there. Uh, uh, Baby got back by Sir Mix a lot. Oh dang! What, uh, what, I will always love you is? by Whitney Houston. I don't know Sean's birthday. Every rose has its thorn. Oh, nice! That's a banger. That's decent. By yeah, that's really good. Yeah, 1989. That'd have been a good year because that's like still. You still get some of the 80s, 80, catch the end, and part of the good 80s music. Yeah. So 
It's good shit. That's not bad. And then let's just double it. check if it's 88. I think he's 89, but I forget. I, Eddie, Eddie is, uh, I think Eddie's 88. 88 model, isn't he? Man in the Mirror. That's decent. Oh. <laughs> Michael that's Jackson. Oh, that's decent. Man, they got good ones. Yeah, that's sweet. Song of the Year. That's cool. That's sweet. Don't Worry, Be Happy. That's a good one, too, nice. right? Because it was named Record of the Year. Let's go. Let's Top go. of the charts in 88. Faith by George Michael. I need you t- need you tonight in excess. Oh wow! Never gonna give you up, Rick Astley. <laughs> Sweet oh, yeah. Guns and Roses. Oh wow! I'm gonna uh, I'm gonna look at this. this cool. 1990 top top songs. Maybe that's the best way to do it. Unskinny Bot by Poison. Not bad. Eyesight Baby. I think we talked about that uh, already. Not as uh, not as great of a year. 1990. Hey. 1990. Vogue, Madonna. Yeah. Hold on, Wilson Phillips is a sweet song. Um, Blaze of Glory by John uh, John Bon Jovi. Ooh, that is pretty cool. I like that yeah. one. Yeah, Ice Ice Baby's on there. Love Takes Time. Mm-hmm. Yeah, not, yeah, 1990 is an average year for the team. Yeah, not but, as good. Not as good on the team. Um, Thunderstruck so the next, ACDC. That's, that's a good one. That's neat. So, so one other thing like I want to get to. Made. Is that oh, we're still okay. We're, uh, no, I think it was made like a late. Oh, really? It was released in 1990. Dang. No shit. Well, that's cool. Hell yeah, dude. Okay, sorry. What else you got before on the top? Uh, one more on the top end. So it's in uh, in recognition of the two, 2022 Beijing Winter Olympics, mm-hmm. I have this question. Um, if you were to be doing the two-person luge event, would you rather be on the top or the bottom? Okay, and this is uh, – it's kind of like – It's not feet first. Sled. Feet first. Feet first, yeah. I think I'm I would want to be the bottom guy. Be, yeah, that's been the weird. It's been the consensus in the polling I've done in the past few days on this question. Who else did you ask? Like pretty much everybody at my office and a couple other people. Distraction. Wait, see what the distractions. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> okay, well, uh, we better get to the show here. Thanks for uh, tuning in, everyone. Mm-hmm. Once again, this is Cowboy Shit with 10 Wacy. Check us out on the uh, social medias and uh, check out our website, cowboyshit.ca. Mm-hmm. We'll be back mm-hmm. with the uh, interview this week after this. It's been a long time coming, but uh, we finally got him. We finally got him tracked down. He's. Uh, I love your sex tape. <laughs> <laughs> he's, uh, he's a professional rodeo announcer, the creator of of, uh, of Marty's Adventure Park and Drumheller. He is, I want to say, formerly the direct, the general manager of the Drumheller Dragons. He's uh, he met his future uh, wife on this very on the podcast. Pod. He's a former firefighter. He's one of the greatest all-around hands of all time. Former Saddle bronc rider, team roper, <laughs> all of the above. He, you name it, he's done it. He's done it. He's our good friend, Mr. Dustin Edwards. Thanks for joining us, sir. Hey, thanks for having me, guys. I'm excited to be here today. It's funny that we uh, are just getting to this now, 111 episodes deep. Yeah, but you have, you've been a regular, you've had regular appearances on the show, so I mean, people know who you are, and like you whatever but we've never actually taken the time to like dive into the Dustin Edwards story yeah you know I uh 
I've got to be the part of two Bachelor episodes, and uh, and then I believe I was in on that Gator episode, kidnapping in Istanbul. So I've been a part of some of the Cowboy shit's biggest episodes. pivotal moments. Yeah. Yeah. Well, even speaking of the speaking of the Bachelor though, like you're coming, like you, it's going to be like two or three years now since, or even longer since you and Ali have met on the Bachelor episode one. Yeah, it was, two, it was. Yeah, it was number one, wasn't it? it was number one, yeah. 2018 or it was 2018, wasn't it? 2018, yeah. So four years, five we're years. We're celebrating three years. There you go. So, so I, was, I, I think we, that's where we should start. That we should dive right into that. So, because clearly the bastard didn't work for me, but somehow it works for you, one of the hosts. Um, I think that this would have been two or three weeks after we had our hockey tournament in Vermeer, which you and I quite talk about quite often. Our sad boy hours there. We poisoned ourselves on. Long Island iced tea and pink witty for like three days straight. And then <laughs> everybody comes back with a case of the gut rot. And then that's kind of where you and Allie connected a little bit. Yeah. Take it from yeah. there. Yeah. We, we kind of stayed in touch. And I think the the theme of the bachelor podcast that year was that I hijacked you and just <laughs> totally, totally screwed you. And uh, yeah, we stayed in touch and uh, she always talked about how that, that weekend when I was playing hockey with you guys, so I was trying to text her coherently and be a gentleman, and then... Oh, yeah, and I sewered you. <laughs> we were the Snapchats from Wacy. I was just, just totally what? That, that's one of the best snaps I've ever taken in my life, that one of you singing Shaggy with the misheard lyrics. I was, that's still to this day one of my favorite videos ever. That's so funny. Yeah, but and, hey, kudos uh, to you for keeping your composure via text message and then making sure that she, that she didn't know. That's so funny. Yeah, I was, I was trying to buffalo her, but it, it didn't work. At, uh yeah, just a week or two later, we shared our first date uh, in Calgary and then wrapped up the evening out at Ted's house there, and uh, the rest is history, you could say. So I owe it all to you guys. I owe my entire love life <laughs> and uh, everything. I I wouldn't be here without cowboy shit. Well, and at least at least somebody found love in the Bachelor episodes, because like Ted and I have talked about it a bunch of times, too, where if, at this point, if I were to do a third episode, that's kind of a red flag for the women taking part in it. It's like, what's wrong with this dude? So... Yeah, I'm glad I got at least one person, and like, and you guys just bought a house together. So like, things are happening. Like, that's an up bachelor update for the people. Dustin and Allie, the hijacker of the podcast episode, they bought a house together in Drumheller. So there you go. I think she still got the first impression cactus uh, somewhere. In the world, so. <laughs> oh, I never got that. She got that. <laughs> she's yeah. she's the reason we got foiped on the first episode. Of the yeah, bachelor. that's right. She was naming names that shouldn't have been named. That's so funny. If, if uh. I just got mixed up. Sorry, bro. He's got the COVID brain this week. Yeah, Teddy's got the vid. Teddy's got the vid post Hannah hockey tournament. And I shared a water bottle with you, and like, did you think we hugged? I'm so glad I dodged the vid. Yeah, you dodged it, and I don't. I, I dodged it a lot of times, but finally. Got only it. we only have only two confirmed cases from the Big Valley Wranglers, which is good. Good look for us. Teams in quarantine until. <laughs> <laughs> COVID, pro- next year. COVID protocol for the boys. Oh, no, more, no more crease suits till 2022, 2023. Holy. Well, That's so funny. I wanted to, I wanted to get at the more of the, the bachelor's deal though with their Dustin and, and kind of talk about that a bit and, and, but meeting, meeting Allie there. Had you guys, that was what it was. Had you guys met before? Be like, you no. guys have probably kind of been in each other's circles, but just never met. It was kind of one of those things where, where I, well, honestly, for that first one, I just talked to friends that I knew, like Louisa, Cassie, and Allie. I knew they were all single, so I just called them because they were friends of mine. That I was like, "Hey, let's let's do this thing and try and 
you know, it's good, co- it's good content. It's good I was content. Like, this would be hilarious to do this, and it just it was just a big joke. And everybody knows I'll out, do anything. Yeah, everybody knows ways to do anything. And then there was one that was kind of a sham, wasn't it? Like, wasn't the Abby that like weren't you guys actually kind of dating? We're talking. Like there was, there is, there is, there. Like she was the one I was going to pick in the end. Like that was yeah, at that point. That was just what was going to happen. And then I obviously, that obviously turned out great for me. So perfect. <laughs> but anyways, uh, but you guys hadn't met before, so it was kind of a, one of those funny things where. Well, they were talking in Invermere before, yeah, the weekend was, before. No, that was after. No, no, no. Invermere right. was after. Bachelor no, is February. Invermere is March, man. Look at your camera. Oh, right. Yeah. I keep thinking that March is before February. Anyways. Yeah. So, no, Ted, to answer your question, we had never met. I remember hearing of her name. Um, or, like, I'd seen her, like, pop up on, like, people you may know on Facebook and stuff like that. But I had never, never met her. And truthfully, I hadn't even remembered even seeing her before the day I was in your house. But um, uh, Cass Haas sent me a Snapchat memory from that day. And there's a picture of me and Allie sitting up on a, under your chair. And I remember we had a really good visit. And the next day I added her on Instagram. Like we became friends on Facebook. And I went pretty hard. And, and uh, But kind of didn't really go anywhere for the first six weeks. So I just had to stay persistent, you know. We're still running. We're still running a little wild for those few weeks too. Well, yeah. I think, <laughs> I think we should get into that a little bit though, Dustin, because really, like, honestly, it's been a big change for you since then. Because you and I, well, you you and Wacey got really. Uh, what did what, you say? Lemony Snickets and Jimmy Gibbled. You guys were really. Yeah, we got. We were. Uh, you guys were. We had a time in BC. Yeah. But but. <laughs> that was Dustin, our alter egos for the weekend. Yeah, but Dustin and I stayed home from the bar on Saturday, and like I've I've I mean getting a little serious but like i i've had trouble with anxiety for a few years and like being around groups like that i i enjoy doing it doing parts of it but i don't really love going out to the bar and just getting real messed up like i i i don't know if i wanted to i could easily be an alcoholic and do that every weekend between the different things that we get to do or you know between seeing clients or or going to events or or you know doing the fun hockey stuff and weddings or like whatever it might be we could do that every night of the week if we wanted but like Dustin, you and I on the Saturday in Invermere, you were talking with Allie, and we, you know, you had troubles with your guts from the first couple of days. Like gut rot. Yeah, that weekend actually was a pretty big change in your life. Honestly, that was kind of one of the starting points to where you are now. And you hadn't, were you already with Drum at that point? You were already with Drum at that point, so you had changed. But like before that, like in the last couple, in the last you know four or five years for you, you've went from being a, a operator in the oil field making you know six figures you went took a huge step back took a big chance to go and pursue a dream and work in hockey and it's you know doing that and then getting you know tapering off the booze for the most part like getting off the alcohol like it's been a pretty major change than being with Allie like it's you've done a lot of stuff the last few years yeah you know and I remember that night in 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 Vermeer you know Ted we we sat in the hot tub I think and uh, we got off the booze and I think we had a tea as weird as that sounds or something like (laughs) Your dudes in a hot tub having a tea together. Yeah. And, yeah, you know, I I, I kind of was just trying to get, you know, get myself in a good direction. And, you know, I, 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 I'd I lie if I say I'm completely off the booze. You know, me and Allie enjoy a, a glass of wine uh, from time to time. But, um, yeah, I've tried to remove it from my life. And and uh, for for me, that a guy that's in social settings all the time, it wasn't easy at the start. But uh, half the times – you know, I'll, I'll still be out at the bar drinking a soda and lime juice and people ask if I'm okay to drive home at two in the morning because they think I'm still still getting out or just because I'm that kind of guy. But 
yeah, you know, it was um, kind of big changes over the last three years. And, uh, you know, I'm, I'm glad I did it. I've, you know, kind of put myself in a good place in, in my life, you know, with my mental health and, and, and just the kind of the state I was in. So yeah, it was, it was kind of funny all that, you know, within about seven weeks of, of the Bachelor podcast, my life changed a lot, which is pretty crazy. I remember, I remember having the conversation with you on the C train from Ted's house to a Flames game. Like, I think the three of us were together. I mean, maybe Gator was with us too. We were going to a Flames game and you were telling us about the opportunity with the Dragons and how you were like, unsure of what we had to do. Cause as Teddy mentioned, that's a, you took a, you took a pay cut obviously. And it's kind of somewhere a dream that you've always wanted to pursue, but that, that you weren't as a, with a kind of an uncertain future. So it's, it's cool to see you at this point now being so successful after like taking that leap of faith. Like not many people have the, have the guts to do that for lack of a better term, I guess. Yeah. Yeah. You know, and like, I, I guess, I guess going back to that, like, you know, I worked, I had, I just celebrated my 10 year anniversary with the company I worked for. You know, I was an operator. I started my day five minutes from my farm where I lived east of Big Valley. Um, you know, as Ted said, you know, six, six figure salary that I started to make when I was in my twenties, which, you know, kind of had everything I needed, but I just wasn't really finding any happiness in that. And most people thought I was crazy. I think I took a, I want to say like about a $65,000 a year cut off my salary to uh, go to the Dragons of the AGHL. And I just figured if I didn't do it then, I was just turning 30, I would never do it. And uh, yeah, you know, it's it's kind of one of those things where you look back now and I'm it's probably the best decision I ever made. But at the time, most people around me thought I was completely nuts. Mm-hmm. Except for me. I told you to Except do for, it. Yeah. And, and you know, and I wouldn't be able to do it without like, like my friend group, you know, I was you know, like between Ted and I know yourself ways, like having conversations with the people like you guys, because you guys are the kind of guys that don't settle either. You know, you're always, you're always chasing and, and trying to be the best version of yourself. And, and uh, that's the people you need to have those conversations with, because I was having those conversations with people that weren't like that. And that really gets, gets on a guy's mind and makes it tough. So. It's easy to get drug drug down to people's levels. We like when we when you share those thoughts with people who can't see outside of their own little their own little world or kind of look think outside the boxes. It, it can be it can be a drag mentally or like drag you down and kind of make you question everything. So it's it's nice to have people. Like I'm thankful for our friend group as well because we can bounce these ideas off each other and it's supportive and we can kind of build each other up rather than tear each other down when we have these wild and crazy ideas. Yeah, and I got I got so lucky. I was in New York at the PBR uh, Madison Square Garden with Gator. We were we were there hanging with the production guys for a weekend, and I remember flying home. I was just like so depressed. I, it was a cold winter, checking wells, and I just was not happy with life. And I got home, and the next day I got hit with a sponsored ad on Facebook from the Drumheller Dragons, and it was the job posting, and it said, "Are you passionate about sports? You know, are you community minded?" you know, the whole thing. And I thought, holy, holy hell, like, this is like answering my prayers. And yeah, and, and then three, three months later, I, uh, three months later, I turned in my coveralls for, for my uh, dress clothes. So it was good. Well, and, uh, and so that ended up starting, well, I, I gotta, I gotta say one more thing too. I, I want to say that you had a big uh, conversation or numerous conversations with our podcast editor and good friend, Sean Morton too. I think we got to mention Sean, cause he was a big influence in you taking that jump as well if I remember right yeah well and as we know Sean's such a probably one of the most one of the smartest guys that we know and 100%. level-headed guys and and uh you know a driven driven determined guy so yeah leaned on leaned on him as well but yeah just kind of everybody was 
was in my court the, the whole way through. So it was it was awesome. I, I wouldn't be here without my support group for sure. What did Gator say? Uh, Gator first part. Me, me and Gator, me and Gator, when we were like 13, we used to ride the bus with like the local senior team and like we used to do their broadcast. Like we dreamed of like hockey and stuff. So like Gator was probably surprised we, we hadn't done it yet, if anything, but Gator was all in. Gator just went on free golf shirt. So. <laughs> so so uh so go go along from there i think that's a good path because you were we can go back later i want to talk on some announcing and some broadcast school and and uh a bit of the operating stuff we can go back there but let's start let's go from here and go on the drum side the hockey path uh looking at other places maybe two might have been part of it like you looked at the steps up if you're going to go to the nhl side of things but then then this other fucking thing comes along it was going to be a kangaroo farm at one point, and then next thing we know, it's Barney. So take us through that journey from the Dragons to Barney's. Yeah, so, you know, I started with the Dragons in 18, was my first season, 18-19. And I was all in. Like, I was like, this is, this is where I'm going to go. I'm going to get my feet wet here. Um, you know, so for those who don't know what I did, you know, I kind of looked after all the operations of the team, essentially. Business, marketing, just everything. A lot of teams in this league have three or four staff, but uh, we have one in that role. So I got to do everything, social media, you name it. And after the first season, I I really just found my groove, I, I thought, and uh, was really enjoying it and had some really good success. And then or in 2019, 2020, my second year, I just found another gear. You know, life was – I was in a good place, and I was putting all my effort into hockey. And we had a really good season that year. We had – full ranks like it, it was awesome and so it was then that I actually was you know I was toying with the idea of like what's next so I actually you know I I had a couple of really good job offers in that mix I interviewed for a couple of jobs that I didn't get that were really badass like uh, Vegas and and uh, Hockey Canada and, and a couple of things like that so I was just thinking like here we go like it, this thing's gonna just take off and um and then it was a trip to Kelowna to the kangaroo farm. <laughs> and, and, and COVID, I should say, too, that, that kind of changed things. But, uh, yeah, so two full seasons of just going all in and, and really enjoying it and thinking, you know, my next step was going to be the NHL was, was my goal, obviously. So so then the kangaroo farm, though. And, and I think you got to talk about the, the crew you're partners with, if, you know, take it where you wish. But, but talk about that and, and creating, creating Barney's. Yeah, so um, the owners of our team here in Drum are the Christensen family. Uh, people probably know them as Canelta. They own a, a ton of hotels in Western Canada. Um, Boston Pizzas, I think they got like 40-some A&Ws, like just very entrepreneurial people, but they live right here in town, really hands-on with the team. Uh, we become great friends. And uh, we were actually on an air – we were flying to Vancouver, me and Blair. Blair is one of the sons. And um, – we were flying to Vancouver for a golf tournament. It was actually Jim Treliving's golf tournament. And uh, we were just chatting about ideas for Drum Heller that, you know, he thought was cool. And he said, have you ever been to the kangaroo farm in Kelowna? I said, no. He said, oh, we, we got to go. We got to go. So that summer, me and Allie flew out there to do their place at Kelowna. And we went through the kangaroo farm. And when I left there, I'm like, we got to get some kangaroos. Like these things are, <laughs> and there was a, there was an old lady like at a, 
at a little kiosk with it was cash only. She had like a big bucket. This thing was full of cash. Like it was insane how much money they were making. And I just had dollar signs in my eyes after that. <laughs> I remember sitting, actually, I think it was like two weeks later, sitting at your place, Ted, in your living room or your kitchen with you and Storm, saying that we're going to get this kangaroo farm going. And everyone, you're all kind of laughing and joking about it. And But I knew you were serious. <laughs> I, yeah. So, so the kangaroo farm, uh, then COVID hits, right? So COVID kind of derails everything, but we were kind of talking about the kangaroo farm. And so then after searching how much kangaroos are, and they're actually wallabies, they're not even kangaroos. Um, <laughs> phonies. Phonies. <laughs> we... Um, we started toying with the idea of like just some sort of park, like something for families to do. And, um, and then uh, my Blair's dad, Cam, who created Canalta, lives down in Phoenix. And he found this place just outside of Phoenix, about two hours, called uh, Mortimer's Family Farm uh, on the way to Prescott. So we flew down and went and checked it out. And as soon as we were there, like the whole concept of zip lines and go-karts and whatever was just like yeah this is what we got to do and uh so that was the plan and then covid kind of lingered on and we just kind of put everything on halt then came the dinosaur auction <laughs> and then <laughs> shit got serious from there so well it's buy like a bunch of animatronic dino- dinosaurs and these things cost what like i, I want to say it was it was a huge cost but but the other thing of the of the deal and go into it as as you as you wish too, but uh but you're part owner and you own it over a few years kind of thing or like you you help build this thing and you get ownership back on kind of like sweat equity and and building in because at this point you're working for you know you don't have the cash to go and buy in and buy a bunch of this stuff but but you got to go and build this whole thing and you're the guy on the ground making it happen so you buy the dinosaurs and you create the concept and you know tell us tell us from there you open up what was it may or was it it was july 1st of 2021 wasn't it yeah yeah so we we go on this online auction from vancouver we buy we were gonna buy i think three or four dinosaurs and we bought 16 is that all of them or was there more there was more but we got the biggest ones that were there and um they showed up three weeks later in four sea cans sitting out in this empty hay field there was nothing there it was a hay field and this is and where we were going to build this park. And it's on the way, like it's just past the Royal Tyrell Museum, for those that yeah, do not know yet. Yeah, just past the museum, past the golf course, uh, just on the North Dinosaur Trail. So we've got a hay field, we've got a dirt trail off the highway, and we got four sea cans full of $250,000 worth of fucking dinosaurs. <laughs> These things are like the ones that roar and move and they're tall and life size right yeah so so then uh, so those dinosaurs arrive uh in the fall uh we don't do anything over the course of the winter but as the winter's dragging on the world's starting to open up this is last year and in march the snow is pretty much melted in drum and we say let's go to town let's go building we had no power no roads no enough we had nothing and uh we got we went to work and we got this place built, uh, ready in time to open July 1st. And, yeah, there was a really good crew that worked hard. We did everything from scratch and got this place ready to open up. And never in my wildest dreams would have thought in, you know, four months would we have gotten this thing ready to go. But 
I mean, uh, like you say, they uh, they were they believed in the project. Um, you know, it was well over a million dollars to to get this thing ready to open. There's a lot of money, and and as you alluded to, like um, you know, I was super fortunate to be offered partnership on it um, with, I guess, a sweat equity deal, which you know I don't mind talking about because I I'm super grateful for that. Not a lot of people get that opportunity, and I think when you're wanting to be an entrepreneur, wanting to own something, you know. It's hard to get access to that kind of money, especially for me. I don't have any resources to get that kind of money. And uh, so I was super lucky that, you know, they said, we'll make you part of this, um, make it a reality, make it happen. And they believed in me. And, and uh, yeah, and away, away we went. And Barney's was, Barney's was born, man. And so you're one year in, uh, going into next year, 2022, adding more features, uh, like attendance, I guess you guys would have had. If you want to talk about that a little bit on how many people came to the park, if you want, or, you know, like, it, I think it was a pretty, uh, the, I think the expectations were exceeded based on our conversations on the first year. Yeah, we had no idea if people were even going to show up. And it was a total shit show, man. The first day we opened up, July 1st, July 1st, it's plus, it was plus 41 that day down here. We had that wave and... I'm like thinking that this line, this line of people is going to be rolling in. And I think like by noon we had like 50 people came <laughs> and then at one o'clock plus 41, the power line down the road snaps and we fucking lose power to the whole place. Toast. Oh no. Oh, no. So we've got like ice cream trucks or deep freezes. Everything's melting. I'm running around with like generators trying to plug shit in. Oh, no. And then I sat out in the road on the quad and just had to tell people, like, they couldn't come in. Like, sorry. This is oh, day opening one. Day. Opening day. Oh, no. Day one. Some adversity right from the start. Two and a half hours, no power, no customers, sunburnt, and... Thirsty. Very sad. Thirsty, yeah. sad. It was... It was a, that night after the first day, I was like, man, we need to have a garage sale. We need to sell these dinosaurs. This is... <laughs> <laughs> it's over it's over boys it's over man like, i was so just down after that day. it was brutal the, the cool thing like from like an outside perspective though like for barney's is, is it's kind of there was it's kind of an, a, a place that was missing from drum heller like for those who don't know drum like it's like one of the busiest tourist places in alberta and probably in the country in western canada for sure and there really hasn't been like a adventure park style like kind of Funny farm, if you want to call it, place. It was, kind of, it was really kind of brilliant of you guys to come up with this idea and bring it to the valley because you're, and you're right beside the, the museum, which is really cool too. So, I mean, it's, it's, not, it's not a surprise that it's, it's growing to what it is now. Yeah, you know, I, I think that's why it, made, it was a no-brainer for us to do it. It's just like there was such a need for it. P- Drum was getting so many people. You know, you go to the museum for a couple hours, you go see the big dinosaur, and then, you know, what do you do? And and for the Christensen family, they own three hotels here. They want people to overnight it and, you know, drag out their stay overnighters more than day trippers. So, yeah, it was it was a no-brainer. And, I mean, the first three weeks were hell, but we, we caught steam kind of August long weekend, and that carried on till, till we closed. And uh, for us, it was just a telltale sign that this thing's probably going to be what drum needed and, and hopefully a home run down, down, down the road. So what's a good day now? Is a good day like 500 or 1,000 or 2,000? Like I have no idea how many you'd have through the gates on a, on a good day. Um, last summer for us, a good day would you know, be getting 1,000 people through, mm-hmm. you know. Um, but I think going forward, I think, you know, I want to see – we'd like to see that be like 1,500, 
few thousand a day. Um, the, the drum hellers got the numbers. You know, we just got to get the people that are already here. It's not so much getting them to Barney's from outside, but uh, the museum, you know, does 600,000 people a year. So if you can get 10% of those, you're making, you're making some money. So. Oh yeah. Okay. Well, and not, not only did you put like all the groundwork into the place, you've done like a lot of the business stuff, right? Like you, you even took like a digital marketing course to the UFC to help sharpen those tools. Like talk a bit about that side of it. Cause you're basically doing like everything from building the fence, pounding the posts, setting up the dinosaurs to posting on social media to help grow the brand name that way. Like that's, there's a lot of work there. Yeah. I, I kind of went all in and, and I'm, I'm glad I did. Cause I wanted to understand every aspect of it. You know, if I go out there, I can tell, I can tell every single person where every underground water line is buried and where this goes and where this goes. And, and I just wanted to know how everything works. So I was all in on the project from building it to, to the marketing side. And, and um, yeah, and I wanted to sharpen my skills and just improve myself to be better for the business. So yeah, I took a couple, couple programs like that and, and yeah, I get to be, get to be all in on it. And uh, that excites me because uh, you know, uh, I guess, as, as you get success, you can feel part of that. Of course, we have a big team of people, but um, yeah, it's, it's just been cool to be in every aspect of the whole process from the ground floor up. So you and Allie lived there this last summer. And, and if you want to talk about it too, Allie had a change in uh, course as well. You should probably mention that while we're at it. Yeah, she was, she was nursing and uh, we were living in Big Valley still out at my, at my farm there, driving into drum every day. And, and uh we were talking about entrepreneur stuff and business stuff and uh, kind of stumbled across uh, a building in Drumheller and, and an idea. And she started a clothing clothing store called Pearl and Hearts, which is clothing store, like women's boutique. Um, she rents out a space to Kaylee Goodine, who's a barrel racer, who has a hair salon in there. She's licensed. You can drink wine and coffee bars and food. And she's got a, a rank patio with fire tables. So... So we both said, well, instead of one person just being super busy, we might as well both be busy. And <laughs> we sold our sold the farm, uh, lived in a camp, rode at Barney's all summer, and uh, I opened July 1st, and she opened July 20th. And we touched toes that night randomly, the odd time for about three months, and that was the only real interaction we had. <laughs> so exhausted. Um, and that's starting to be such a cool space. Like you said, there's shopping. You can have a bite to eat there. She's hosted some events there. It's because it's it's kind of adds like it fits in well with what you guys are doing with even with the Barney stuff, right? It just kind of adds another element to the to the town, like to the community, really. Oh yeah, totally. And uh, you know, she's had you know JD Bixby singing in there and Winterfest, and she just bought a <laughs> she just bought an ice cream trailer that she's gonna park out front this summer. Nice. So uh, you see an old converted horse trailer scooping ice cream. Uh, that'll be her. Nice. That's awesome. So I think we got to go. Wait, what do you think now? Should we should we go to the go back on to the, some firefighting days, or where do you want to take this next? I don't I don't know much about your firefighting days. You was you've been volunteer with the Big Valley crew. I, like I'm I'm I i do not know as much of this side of the story as as maybe Ted does. Yeah, so I I joined the fire department in Big Valley in '07, right when I moved back from college. Um, just same thing, young guy living in town. They asked me to join. Then I moved to, I was on for about a year there. Then I moved to Stetler. I lived in town for four years and they have a, a really big fire department there that I joined and that's where I got all my training and, um, you know, learned everything. But I was on for, 
I just retired a month ago, but I was on the department in Big Valley for <laughs> retired uh, since 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 '07. So it was like 12 years or 13 years, I guess. But yeah, it was uh, it was a pretty 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 fun. Like I know I know everyone says like you know volunteer firefighting, but we have some like really busy highways, intersections, and and rural populations. So we were busy. Like in Stetler, we would do between two and three hundred calls a year. Well, on the rural side of things, you're probably getting called to grass fires and stuff all the time. Like that's even like where I grew up, like the, the little volunteer guys were always busy. You're always on on standby if there was something cut and shit catches on fire all the time when you're working in like agriculture and ranching. Oh yeah, but between oil field and agriculture, shit is always on fire. Um, and then on the other side of it, like you know, you get back roads and busy intersections and busy areas. So like car accidents just left and right late night rollovers guys back roading home from the bars <laughs> not that it's a good thing or a funny thing but i mean that was very common yeah what's, what's some of like the what's the wildest fire call you've been called to in your volunteer firefighter days oh we we seen some sh- we seen some shit i bet you know, like you you had, you had a lot of like in the recent years like you'd have the meth heads that were crashing vehicles and torching them on fire and you know, then the, you're bringing up police dogs and tracking through fields and stuff. But um, like on like on a serious note, like we had, you know, obviously part of like some some very big accidents that you know were never ended good. But you know, I was on numerous times where we landed, you know, two stars helicopters at once. Um, wow. You know, like yeah, we had we had car accidents where there was one time we were at a car accident between two vehicles. There was 13 people in between both vehicles that were all injured at one time. Oh my God. You're a little fire department looking after him and stuff. And probably one of the funniest ones that I was ever on was uh, a, a family was uh, going to a family supper and they were, I think they were a Korean and uh, they had uh, their whole back of their vehicle full of uh, food for the potluck. And uh, they rolled their vehicle by big guy and they were all covered in like noodles. <laughs> <laughs> luckily, luckily, they, luckily they weren't hurt but i just remember going in there and they were all covered in in like noodles and it was very it smelled very good <laughs> but the food was ruined yeah the food, is, the food the is ruined. They, were all, they were all good but there was noodles everywhere but, dang that sucks for the pot sucks for the potluck ruined ruined that's yeah. funny okay and so going on to that side of things though like talk about seeing some shit i remember there's some stories you told me different times like I, you probably can't say some of the some of the stuff because it's not you're not supposed to share those things but like is that the reason why you have like fucking nightmares and you have the night terrors and shit like how like how's your how's your mind that way now after getting off the booze a bit more like does has that helped or do you still have trouble and further along to that part there's not really any support systems on the volunteer side of the fire department like the mental health thing is really a miss on the on the volunteer side of things in I want to say probably everywhere. I don't. I don't know for sure, but yeah, I agree with that. You know, and and you know, in rural, it, we're very like, oh, we're fine kind of mentality, and and those systems are are kind of there, but not really. So you know, I remember the one of the first fatal scenes I was on. We we found a guy that was burnt in a house, and uh, actually Darren Benson, who you guys know from Stetler Dodge, I think was it was. I think we were together working on a fire call and we found a guy that had perished in a fire and the next, you know, we were on that call all day and night watching the scene. And then 
seven in the morning, I just, you throw your coveralls on and have a coffee and go to your job. And then you're with yourself all day, just replaying that in your head. And a week later was my second fatal accident. And it was a seven-year-old girl that had got killed in a, in a side-by-side rollover. Same thing. You know, you go to the fire hall and everyone says, you good? Yeah. Yeah. We're good. And you know, you carry on, you don't, you never really cope with it, I guess. So, you know, as you go down, those all start adding up. And, and I think it definitely is tough on a guy and the small fire departments usually know the people that you're, you're seeing and helping, you know, in the big city, it's just a, another person, but in the small towns, you know them or have a connection to them. So, yeah, I think that that's one thing that definitely is lacking is, is that kind of not support from your peers, but like support from, you know, counselors or, or things like that. Cause yeah, Ted, as you guys know, I had a bad, bad night terror situation for the majority of my life. So I, I don't know what caused it, but I'm sure that didn't help. And do you still have it or is it, has it receded a bit or is it still happens or what's it like? Uh, not as bad anymore. It's actually receded quite a bit. Um, I only know that just from obviously from Ali, but um, <laughs> yeah. I'm not, I'm not, I'm not waking up in the night going nuts. I still have them from time to time, but they're definitely, uh, now that I'm not on the fire department and not as going as many calls, I definitely don't have it as much anymore. Sure. How much of an influence on your firefighting uh, days was Dennis Halstead? Like, was he, did you really look up to him (laughs) as a, as a, as a firefighter and as an apprentice firefighter? Like, is he a big uh, uh, mentor of yours? How, How does, how does he fit in? Do you know what? Funny story is, in 2012, um, I actually applied to the City of Calgary Fire Department, and I went through the whole nine months, aptitude tests, interviews, physicals, and I got a, a formal letter of acceptance. And I, le- I remember leaning on Denny, asking him questions and, and trying to help guide me a little bit throughout that. And um, I never ended up taking it, obviously, but that point in my life, like I was loving firefighting and I was living it. And yeah, I leaned on Denny a lot, and uh, he told me lots of crazy shit that would never even hold a candle to the stories I had. But uh, yeah, surprisingly enough, on that journey, he was he was awesome. We we talked firefighting a lot throughout the years. So, yeah, he was he was great. Why why firefighting? How'd you get into it? I I don't know that part. I, I'm not sure if we ever talked about this. Man, just uh, a guy in Big Valley asked me if I was interested in joining, and me and Gator actually joined the same time, and. <laughs> We went to like two or three grass fires and put them out. And then we got, we were, I think we were curling one time or something and me and Gator got called to, uh, because out in the rural, if there's a, if there's a call for the ambulance, they always call the fire department first because the ambulance comes from Stetler. So we're there to bridge that 30, 40 minute gap. So we're always there for medical calls. And this old lady in Big Valley had slipped, uh, in her bathroom and she, uh, she hit her head on the toilet. And there was blood everywhere. And we walked in and Gator just, he turned around and he was out. And he, uh, that was the end of him on the fire department. <laughs> oh, wow. <laughs> he didn't like the blood. Jeez. That, that's like, that's one thing though I've been, I've always been impressed with, with like you and even Gators. Like you guys are both really like community focused, like commu- engaged with the community kind of guys. Like where does that stem from? Like, I know you're Saskatchewan boy like, like me, but like where does that passion for being involved and kind of engaging with your local community come from? Um, you know, for me, it was, um, you know, like not to get too deep, but like for me as a youngster, I I got involved in community stuff like that most people would do when they're quite older. Um, 
like I joined like the golf board when I was like 13 and like volunteered with the rodeo when I was a kid and like just did all these things. And it was kind of like, for me, like kind of more distraction, like again, not to get too deep, but like, you know, my parents split up when I was 12 and kind of had a rough go for about four or five years with like family stuff. And for me, it was like, I'm just going to go and get involved in everything. Like I went and learned how to help at the curling rink and man, I got, I got trained how to drive the Zamboni, I think before I could even drive my vehicle. Like, so we just, and, and me and Gator just got involved in everything. We were in curling golf course, rodeo committee, the egg society. Like we just went all in on everything, helped out at the seniors drop in and went to bingo. Like it, it was just like a distraction just to stay busy. I think, you know, like it was, um, and, and big Valley was awesome. Like, you know, there wasn't a lot of people in that community, so they always welcomed the help, and yeah, we we loved it. And yeah, for me, it was definitely more more to keep busy and keep my mind elsewhere when I was a kid. Well, and that's something now it's translated into what you do now. Like that's what I think that's what's made you so successful, even with the dragons and the Barney stuff. Is that you 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 have that passion for growing your community and being involved and being engaged, which I think, which I think it's really helped you to this point so it's, it's cool that you have that foundation and started at a young age again and that's like the biggest thing we noticed like we work with a lot of rodeo committees the three of us and them trying to find young people to get involved or whatever right is such a, such a hard thing and you and you know that firsthand oh yeah totally you know i i think that that uh, you know your your youth is is everything and and trying to get people to buy into that stuff and like a lot of the stuff that keeps community going is very like old school like not a lot of young kids are like, Hey, I want to go curling or yeah. Like give me a whippersnapper. I'll go weed whip grave sites. Like on remembrance, like just things like that, that are just like forgotten because the older generation always did that. But when, when they're gone, who, you know, who fills their shoes, I guess, right. The cliche kind of thing. So we, we, when we were young, we just had that mindset, like, Oh, we got to do this or who's, who's gonna. Well, and you should talk wait. about the, or sorry, go ahead. Louise. No, you go ahead. You go ahead, daddy. It's all good. I want to say, you talk about the rodeo committee, and I think this is where the rodeo side of things come in. But before that, so 2007, there was some radio, and then I guess in 07 would have been when you went to SAIT. Is that right, too? I went to Saskatoon. Uh, I asked. I asked, okay. Yeah, and uh, I went out there, uh, graduated in 06, so yeah, 06, 07. I took radio and television, um, and that was just all stemmed off. I'd actually... I had done some announcing previous to that. Um, the first person that got me on a mic at a rodeo was actually Tyson Peach. So <laughs> I owe I owe Tyson everything. He got me got me going. Um, hey, what was the first one? Tell us that story quick. Well, B- Big Valley Rodeo. When I was a kid, I always did the Cowboys Prayer at the rodeo for Tom Cassidy uh, and the Big Valley Rodeo crew. Tyson announced that rodeo for years, and um, I used to kind of linger around him. I'd bring him the wireless mic back and whatever. And he asked me if I wanted to announce the mutton busting. And Christ, like I was like 12 or 13. So I started announcing the mutton busting. And then uh, they used to have, Ted, you probably rode at it. Maybe you did two ways. You used to have that. The bull, the bull riding. Yeah, the bull riding the, the, the Thursday. Yeah. Yeah. So the I Colin did. Cassidy Memorial. Mm-hmm. And I got on the mic there when I was 15 or 16 because uh, the old boy that did it, couldn't come so I announced that and um so I kind of got a little bit of a flavor for it then and then um and then after that I didn't really do much and I went to school for radio and television I was actually trying to get into sports broadcasting after that 
Well, and so when did you when did you and I meet? Did you and I meet at Barney's house, or did we meet uh, at like a Delburn High School rodeo with the Joneses? What like where? I'm trying to think of where you and I met. I, th- I want to think it was at Barney's, but I don't remember. Like after the Big Valley Rodeo in like 07 um, maybe. I, I think there was – when I came back from college that spring, Big Valley had a ro- the spring rodeo, and I think I in met like you April. at Barney's. Yeah, because was that the year that I can't remember, someone went down his stairs in a wheelchair? Do you remember that? Probably, probably. There yeah. was a lot of wild shit happened at Barney's in, yeah, the, yeah. in the late um, 2007, 8, 9. Yeah, so it's 2008. 2008, Riley Jones asked me to announce the Delburn High School Rodeo. That was the first, like, paid announcing In April, job. So, so I would have been – I might have been there. But I think you would have been there – I thought you would have been there in 07, too. Maybe – Oh, sorry, it was 07. Yeah. It was 07. It yeah, because I, I wouldn't have been there in 08 because my shoulder was uh, – or my collarbone yeah. was broken. So 07, yeah, okay. So that was yeah, first so one they, Go ahead. Yeah, me and Riley played hockey together. Um, oh, where at? Like Stetler? Stetler, yeah. yeah. So oh, me and Riley played hockey together. Um, in like Bantam and Midget then. Yeah, that's right. And then I think he played 15s, and then we played together the year after. And uh, and then so that's how we kind of knew each other. Um, we crossed paths. We crossed paths steer riding like years before that. So when Riley came to Stetler, we were kind of, you know, buddies and, and – uh, through that friendship and then yeah he asked me to come announce the high school rodeo and I don't even think the high school rodeo was over yet and um I got hired for two more so two more high school rodeos yeah I did uh I think Butch Smith got me to announce Rimby which was in they had it at Diamond Five and then um the Grover family Melissa Grover they asked me to do Hand Hills high school rodeo so man I was I was rolling I think I got paid 500 bucks for the weekend and like I was I was on cloud. That's the life. That's the life, man. Loving it. Eight hours of high school rodeo each day. For 500 bucks on the weekend. Dang. (laughs) Making the big big money. So then when did you come across Dave Polson? When did you guys become friends? And how big of an influence? You talk about Dennis being a big influence on the firefighting side when you were going on the Calgary, applying to Calgary. But but Dave, you and Dave are buddies and, and have worked together at probably more than more than most. Yeah, so um, I did my I did my two two or three years of high school rodeos announcing, and uh, Tyson Peach actually again got me my first Wild Rose rodeo up in Fairview um, with Trevor Young, and uh, he. So I did my first Wild Rose rodeos in ten, twenty eleven. I did a shit time like I did Fairview Valley View White Court like everything north. All the big like, stops. All the big stops. The north, yeah. the north run. North run. And I got a call from the Wild Rose that year, and uh, they said, hey, would you like to put your name in for the finals? This was in 2011. And I said, sure. So I remember I got a call uh, a couple weeks later, like, hey, Dustin, like, you got the Wild Rose finals. I was so pumped. But at the time, and and you'll have to hear this story from Brett, but Brett said he got a call, and they are like, yeah, Brett, we're uh, – we got Dustin Edwards to do it. He's like, who the hell is Dustin? Because <laughs> <laughs> Brett did that. That was kind of Brett's uh, starting point, too, was the Wild Rose. And he went to, like, Athabasca and Fort Assiniboine and, like, a lot of those places for a long time. Yeah. I Basically, like, our career paths were, like, mirrored. Like, he did, like, high school rodeos, Wild Rose, and then got the finals. But 
So 2011, my you finals. Yeah. Did you so I'm just like, too? this is, yeah, this is, this is my, like, this is my NFR. And they sent me Dave Paulson's number and they're like, you should call him, just touch base with them. And uh, I was so nervous to phone him. Like at home we had CFCN. That was like the only channel we had on the antenna. So I watched like Dave do Calgary every year, you know, like he was like my idol. So I phone him and I, I, I can't remember the whole gist of the call, but it was kind of like, I remember calling him like, Hey Dave, this is uh, Dustin Edwards calling. And he's like, Oh, uh, who are you? Who are you? <laughs> <laughs> who the hell? Um, are you? This is 2011, right? 2011. Yeah. Yeah. So this is uh, 11 years ago now, I guess. Yeah. And, uh, and it was like, Oh, I'm announcing the Wild Rose finals with you. Oh, okay. And then, uh, what happened to Brett? <laughs> yeah. Okay. Well, screw, screw that gardener guy. And man, so we get to we get to Barhead, right? Like I'm thinking this is like the greatest thing ever. And you know, me and Dave are visiting beforehand and he's we're looking at notes and he's like, Are you nervous? I'm like, Oh yeah, I'm I'm so nervous. He's like, Remember, if you screw up, the only people that are gonna know is just all those people out there listening. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, man, me and Dave, like, we just had an instant bond and you know, everyone always talks about us like, you know, being co-announcers and working together but like Dave is truly one of my best friends like we talk text all the time he's always sending me smart ass things about the dragons and the Canucks and um yeah we've become like best friends and we've had so many good laughs and good memories over the years well and then and then you mentioned the Canucks he's been a big influence in your hockey side of things right because he's been involved with the he was involved with the Canucks for such a long time so he kind of helped guide you down that hockey path too which is pretty cool yeah, yeah, he was the he was the PR guy for the Canucks, and he worked for the AJHL. So like, same thing, like a similar kind of journey that when I was going through it, like I leaned on Dave, and you know, uh, he's came down to some games and spent spent the night here and, and hung out. And yeah, Dave's a Dave. A lot of people don't know, but Dave's a hockey guy. Like he's he's been around uh, the hockey side of things. So um, the Canucks beat us last weekend. And within 20 minutes, I get an email from Dave just being like, you know, the mighty, the mighty dragons have fallen. So. Oh, dear. When you guys even had the – was it a beard off or a mustache off a couple of years ago? Oh, yeah. The, the most pathetic beard contest. <laughs> yeah. Me and Dave grew out, me and Dave grew out uh, beards for Pincher Creek Rodeo. We didn't we didn't shave from Medicine Hat till Pincher Creek. And That's a lot Yeah, Dave kicked my ass. Oh dear. Okay, so the what's your one. best Dave story, or is it, or is it uh, an experience you both shared together in Medicine Hat with a certain parachute person? I'll let you, I'll let you <laughs> take it from here on on which one it might be. Oh, uh, I got a couple of good ones. Uh, I'll go back to the parachute, but uh, one year we did the CFR uh, telecast from Edmonton. It was the last CFR in Edmonton. It was like minus thirty that week. It was freezing cold, and they said, "Hey guys, we're not going to have you in the studio this year." You're going to work out of a TV trailer. Okay. The TV trailer was driven up from Texas. Oh, no. And in Texas, they don't require heaters. And um, where we broadcast from, I'll have to show you the picture. We were actually in the gooseneck of the trailer. So me and Dave had to hunch down like, like this. We were in a five-foot crawl space and no heat. What the hell? And and we froze our froze our bags off, and halfway through the broadcast, I remember Dave just like radioing the trailer. He's like, "We need you guys got to get us heat, or by the 
time we get to the team roping, we'll both be dead. So they have the TV crews from, they were from the PRCA in the States. They were driving around like buying space heaters from like Walmart for us and stuff. Jeez. Well, that, was, uh, driven, that was a weird driven. year too. Cause that was on like yeah. a pro rodeo network or some shit. It wasn't even a PRCA rodeo and it was on the fucking PRCA network. Yeah. It was pro rodeo TV. I think they called it. It was their, it was their attempt at a streaming service. It never, never came to fruition. But, Not even yeah. at a PRCA rodeo. Yeah. Yeah, and then they, they had mutton busting or something uh, in the arena that night. And uh, they, so we were in the trailer frozen, and they had cut back from commercial to a shot of the sheep in the arena. And the first thing that came to my mind, I don't know why, I said, oh, I'd sure like to wrap myself around one of those sheep. <laughs> <laughs> and Paulson is never at a loss for words. And he just turned and looked at me and was just like, what did you just say? <laughs> and I was like, well, I mean, cause like I'm cold and the wool and I just put my foot in the wall. Yeah. He never lets me live that one down. That's but, another uh, big, big sheep, big fan of sheep. Big fan of sheep. I think big Monty texts me. I think Monty Phillips texts me within minutes just being like, what the hell did you say? <laughs> oh gosh. But uh, medicine hat, that was a good one. So medicine hat stampede. Uh, Dave's that was actually Dave's first pro rodeo, and I think he's announced there 46 years. Like he's an icon there. Um, but we are getting ready to do the perf, and they tell us that they're going to start the perf with the para para jumpers. Okay. And when when do they tell you this? Like how far of an in advance did you get this info? Because we know like rodeo production, there's there's some that like produce a lot, and there's some that produce a bit, and there's some that produce none. I'm curious. So uh, when did you find this out? I think it was like, like not long before, like we didn't have, there, there was no script. Like we didn't have to introduce them. It was just like, Hey yeah, guys, these guys are going to jump into the arena. So I'm like, okay, that's, that's cool. So we're in the booth and like, there's this big overhead out the booth to keep the sun out. So neither of us can actually see the paragliders. But like, well, let's go outside and check. And I'm like, Oh, this is kind of cool. So the paragliders are coming down, but because there was real no production and they were doing it before the grand entry, like there wasn't music playing. There was really nothing. It was just people watching these guys come into the room. So I'm like, I should start filming this. So I pull up my camera and I start recording and this guy's coming down, but because there's no music, you can hear him. And I think you can even hear him in the video. He starts yelling, Oh shit. Oh shit. This is the paraglider. And you can tell like he's not near the arena yet. He's a ways back. And this poor bastard comes down, and Medicine Hat has all welded, like, eight-foot. Drill stem, you know, basically. Like, drill yeah. Stem. yeah. And this poor bastard smokes the drill stem <sighs> and just gets dummied. And, and he's in the stud pen with one of Kessler's stud boards. <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> His leg is, like, not, not broken. It is snapped in, yeah. like. It's a compound oh. fracture. It's bad. Uh, yeah. It's a compound. This guy ain't walking for a long time. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. Gotta and, love uh, it. I, I think in the video, I think it was Jeff or Jason Rash who were, like, running over and they, like, they helped him out because there's this big stud horse in this pen and this poor bastard just crippled up inside the, inside the uh, arena. So needless to say, the Canadian flag did not get into the arena that day. And... Uh, <laughs> Jeez. And uh, 
Yeah, it, it was pretty wild. It was one of the craziest things I've seen. This guy was he was in he was in rough shape. Jeez. There's got to be some more other crazy rodeo stories. I know one, speaking of like uh, places with Air Force bases close by, how the fuck did you end up in the arena like a Brazilian announcer throwing your hat at a bull? <laughs> oh, <laughs> man. I forgot about this. This is good. This is so funny. Well, I don't know who it was. I, I, actually, I think it was Monty. There was a video going around of that Brazilian announcer that would jump in the arena and like fan bowls with his hat. They fucking all do it, man. They all do it. Yeah. Like the one guy brought out a fire extinguisher and started spraying the bowl, like, <laughs> like just crazy shit. And um, Monty tagged me in the post, and then I think it was uh, Dallas Burns as well. And they're like, "No, dare you to do this." So the bull riding at Suffield used to be sanctioned by BRC, and then they, the, the uh, that year they decided to open. I'm like, "Well, okay, this is my chance to go do something like this because it's not affiliated with anything." So Gator's doing the music and I just said, Hey, like, I'm just going to jump down and go do this. And, uh, dirty Mike was riding Michael, uh, Stashik, And he had this little black bowl of gyms that I knew was just a nice little spinner just came out and around. And I think, uh, I remember who's bullfighting Levi Hale maybe. And, uh, Jory, Jory probably. Yeah. And Jory had it on GoPro and I just walked out there and they were set up and they looked over me like, what are you doing? I said, you boys just stand back. I said, I got it. <laughs> you seen the video that bull just turns back i got the wireless mic and i'm just fanning him i think i tapped him on the nose once or twice and and uh it gets done and everybody's just cheering and going nuts and so so excited and dirty mike was like 84 points in this bull and we get done and my heart is just racing right i'm like this is super cool i finally did it and dirty mike comes up to me he's like man if you would have taken that bull out of the spin what are some of the other moments from your rodeo career that stand out like like highlights lowlights crazy wrecks you've seen oh oh so tell us uh tell us about our careers about what you remember of our careers too that's i want to put that in there all right well first i'll start with the cra- craziest wreck i've ever seen was i when they had the glenn keely bull riding on with okotoks I would go for a couple of years and announce the Okotoks perf that Dave had to miss for the bull riding. And my first year there, it was Chuck Schmidt, American Bronc rider. He got, he got bucked off. Um, I don't know if it was Pedro or like, it was a big black horse of wolves. And he got Probably catapulted Pedro. like a lawn dart and landed on his neck. And he broke, like, I don't know, like they, they stars them or air ambulance into Vancouver he like landed hard and I was announcing and it was like my first wreck at a pro rodeo that I was on the mic for. And I was just like, so shooken up and um, that was pretty damn crazy seeing that, that go, go down. That was a bad one. And then, um, you know, one that, one that was really one of the worst wrecks I'd seen. I was working the PBR Canada finals with you, Ted and and Brett. And I was on the, I, I had a wireless mic and I was about to do a presentation in the arena or something. And I was standing on the shoot. It's when Posse got his helmet stepped on and his helmet split right in half. And I was like 12 feet from it. And I remember like just sick to my stomach, but those are the two crazy kind of wrecks. I was on the music and it was bad enough that Leanne was calling me and like, and I think Jade called like Ty's family was calling and I, like I was working and had to leave. Like I had to give it back to somebody else. 
to go yeah. like and Rusty was freaking out. Yeah, that was that was, it was crazy. And then then uh two kind of fun ones that I kinda of remember that stand out was one was a couple of years ago at Carsland, a bull got out and was touring through the crowd. Um that was pretty crazy. And then not that it was a funny story, but I went and announced a bush rodeo one time for Jim Lowry and uh Hi, he had cow riding uh Long Island Lake. Okay. But he does both those. Yeah. And uh, he was the cow riding, and this cow bucked this kid off. And they had steel drill stem posts right in front of the grandstand. And this rodeo is full, like, like, like a couple thousand people at this thing. And this cow goes running and runs straight into the post right in front of the grandstand and just falls over dead. Oh, no. Like, like it, was not, it, was a, it was bad. And I, Jim turns around and looks up, and he's like, Dustin, say something. Like, distract him. And I had this like schedule of events right beside me, like to read off for the weekend. And I just looked down. I'm like, ladies and gentlemen, don't forget, coming up tonight is the beef on the bun dinner. <laughs> and he's like running. He's like running over to the to the to this guy. And he just turns back and looks, and he's just like, fresh Alberta beef. Come on. <laughs> That's gonna be the one that the cow that died in the arena is was gonna be served for the beef on a bun. <laughs> oh, okay. My last question, though, I'm curious. Like, did you ever announce Wacy in the arena? I know you did for me. I was wondering what you remembered. If you remember, if you remember <laughs> our our short-lived rodeo careers. Well, I definitely announced. I definitely announced you, Ted. And I, I, I think my claim to fame is I don't think I've ever announced you on an eight sec like make it qualified. <laughs> in my high school, maybe after that. High probably, school rodeos. Yeah. You know what? Though, going back to that, the high school rodeos back then were ranked like. When I was announcing high school rodeos, like you guys had some hands coming through, and like, you know, you guys were good back then. Like, guys weren't. <laughs> Not now, but you had a bit. you had a claw to get those damn points, man. <laughs> well, it's kind of crazy. The one year I think like it was well, would have been oh eight, would have been like Ty Patton, Posy, myself, Tanner Byrne, uh, both Larsons. Maybe that was oh seven. We're all at the high school finals at the same time in Medicine Hat. It was yeah, kind of like, wild, like, like Tyrell and Oren both made the have both made the NFR now. Then you've got like Ty went to the PBR finals. Tanner Byrne, you know, has 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 done pretty good too. Uh, I stayed on a couple at that point, but like there were some pretty good cats at that point. It was pretty neat. Oh, it was it was rank man. Like, and I remember like you know the team roping back then. Guys were winning with like three nines and four flats. You know, oh, you yeah. had like like just. You know, like past you guys, like yeah, like Colton Schmidt and those kids yeah, roping really Jake good. Bull. Yeah, Jake Bull, like you know, Kyle Lucas was in the calf roping back then, and like all those kids were just they were good then. Like oh, high school rodeos guys. were like, yeah, like I announced like Zeke. Zeke was riding bulls, riding Bronx, Layton, yeah, Layton too, Clay, yeah. Elliot. Like and those kids were ranked. Like those those rodeos were like they were fun to announce and fun to be at. Like oh, it yeah. was good watching. Good time. Yeah. The parties at the and, Joneses were fun too. Yeah. Delver. I think Wace, I think Wace, did you make the first ever BRC finals, Wace? I was the only Saskatchewan boy to make the first ever BRC oh, finals. Look at that. So that, that's where our trio was like, Wace made the BRC finals. It was Ted's first sound gig. Ted didn't even know how to plug in the sound. Yeah, I remember that's, that's, oh, yeah, right. that's funny shit. And I didn't even know how to plug my music in. My, all my, I lost, I thought I lost my music because I changed my <laughs> pathways and sports sounds. I had to play, and we I played Sandstorm our, like three times the same night. It was one of we froze our, years. froze our bags off in Cold Lake yeah. in January. But yeah, no man, I'll, I'll give 
I'll give Waste credit. Uh, he was a good bull rider back in the day. Uh, I'm sure I know. Announced him make one or two big big time rides. One or two. Stay on, stay, stay on a few, and I wanted to. <laughs> oh wow. Yeah. So, there's uh, a, there's one there, there's okay go ahead Ted there's another story that I want to talk about. I want to talk about uh, the uh, great potato chip famine of 2019. <laughs> 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 turn it turn into like one of uh, like our most successful Twitter threads. Uh, we were on our way from Bymore to Watcher, Saskatchewan for a uh, for a uh, bull riding. Had a bit of an interesting journey. You and I. Yeah. I thought you were gonna chew my arm off at one point. Oh man! So it was like Saturday <laughs> night. I remember we we get done. I was announcing Bymore, right? Yeah. And uh, for whatever reason, like we didn't get any food at Bymore. I was like, well, we'll just get something on the way. Like let's get like Provost, whatever. Yeah, I thought whatever yeah. is going to be. Yeah. We hit every town from Bymore, Alberta, to Watcher, Saskatchewan. No stores open. No snacks. We were so hungry. We stopped at a Red Rooster in like I don't know where. Where was that? It was bigger, bigger. Your hometown saved us. That was our saving grace. But just before that, we stopped oh. at Red Rooster. I was going oh, to pull a ball hitch out of my truck and smash the vending. It was um, wasn't it Maidstone? Somewhere like that. I don't know. Yeah, it was one of those because we, we, we had we all there was a vending machine out front of the store and all we had was like a dollar fifty and change. We bought an iced tea that I shared. an iced tea. Like, <laughs> it was like we were on a stranded island. We were like passing back and forth taking sips. <laughs> Rationing we our ice tea. Rolled a bigger liquor store and we got a bag of beef jerky at and some dill pickle chips. Yeah, that was so. I remember. I remember we were so hungry and that that's like exactly. I think we said those exact words like, "Oh, we don't need to get any a beef on a bun and buy more." Like, well, well, pro. I think it was a long weekend. That's why everything yeah. was closed like so early on a Friday. Yeah, and we're driving to Saskatoon and I have never been more hungry in my life. Like trying to get some snacks. Like it was like middle of the night. Hour drive though, too, right? Like buy more. It was Saskatoon. late. It was late at night though. We left to buy more at like probably ten. Saskatoon. How do you guys die in four hours of starvation? We had an eight since lunch, Ted. <laughs> we were, we were, it was bad. We were tweeting like, seems like bad our planning. whole journey. <laughs> well, well, it was like we just it was kind of it was bad planning on our end. I was like we should have just grabbed a beef on a bun and buy more and been okay, but we we're just let's get the hell out of here and um, go to Saskatoon. You never thankfully small bull riding cabarets too early. That's where you guys went wrong too. Never leave them too early. We had to work yeah, the next day, Ted. Yeah, but you also lived in. Big Valley at the time too, didn't you, Dustin? Like I lived, I lived ten minutes from the Bymore Arena at the time. Yeah, and you could have like went home and left at like eight o'clock in the morning and probably been fine. We no. screwed ourselves. No, <laughs> no, we got there. We got there. We set up. I showed because one of my other claims to fame in Watchers is I put the tin on the rink the, on the roof. That was my first roofing job ever. I think I drove around the rink like four times. We got to Watchers to show Justin that yeah, I put that tin up there. Yeah. Like there's like random people coming into the arena, waste like, hey guys, uh, that tin. Yeah, I put, I put that's me. I've contributed to the Watchers community in a big way. Oh, shit. I think we got to talk about the broadcast too because you actually have schooling in that and you've done the CFR how many times now? Three. At least three times you've done the broadcast too. You're one of the few people in our industry who are formally educated on the the broadcast yeah. side of things. Actually, know what you're doing. Yeah. 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 No, I think me and Dave have done. I think we've done five actually now. Five. This okay. last year was number five for us. Um, I did one year with Tim, I guess too, just without Dave. Yeah. Um. Yeah. So you know, I mean, that's super cool. I love I love announcing, but I love like the behind the scenes, like production. I love being on camera and commentating, and not having to just be the in-house announcer. Like I love educating and, you know, the narratives and the storylines. So I love doing the TV. Um, I've been so fortunate to do that for the, for the CFR. I, 
I, I find more joy in that sometimes than just being on the mic for the, for the events, just because you get to be part of the telling the story to people, right? And that's That's been a lot of fun. That's been some of my favorite moments for sure. One of my one of my favorite things that I worked with you is the Wild Rose Finals 2019. I somehow ended up getting that job from from Sean. I think and that was another town that didn't have anything open late, so we were, try, we were like going to the grocery store and trying to find food after the perf. Like it was just we were battling so hard. But that was one of the funnest weekends, uh, rodeo weekends I've had doing music. All all those little like Ted, you can attest like all the little small finals, and that has been some of the best fun I've had. Like the Wild Rose Finals, uh, FCA Finals, like LRA Finals, Ricky Tiki's Born shit up left and right like um call it i did the college finals in edmonton for a few years and uh ricky ticky actually i gotta tell that story um <laughs> the, the, the one year at the college finals because it's in north plans like it's very obviously under the microscope of like animal rights and like things like that so the one year the first perf i think it was when a chunky's bucking horses went down and uh had a bad leg so after the rodeo we have a little meeting and they say, okay, nothing, you know, no, nothing's come of it. You know, we're not, not getting in trouble for this, blah, blah, blah. Second night, a calf goes down. They bring up the sled. Uh, they bet the calf. All is good. Said, hey, guys, you know, we're, we got a call from like the Edmonton Sun or somebody just, you know, about this animal and let's just be, be careful out there. So that night, Ricky Ticky brings out his skunk. And the same night as the skunks, next night. Because he was, he was supposed to not bring in any animals, right? That's right. So he brings his skunk out and he picks it up by the tail like he does, right? And he carries it and throws it in his box. Well, someone from the media just goes nuts and they have a shit storm with Ricky Dicky Skunk. So the team at Northlands, we have a meeting. They're like, okay, hey, Rick, no more live animals. Like we, we can't risk it, right? He's like, yeah, yeah, sounds good. So the final perf, Ricky lets loose all his painted chickens. <laughs> And there's a lot of people at the college finals. There's like three or four thousand. Like it was a big crowd. It was a good show. Yeah. Yeah, this I remember, is when it was on with really like Agri Trade, right? Or Agri Fair or whatever. Yeah. And uh so like we get down the rodeo and like we have our little like post mortem like meeting after and the girls from Northlands are like, Ricky, like we said no more live animals. Like, what is wrong with you? He's like, I already painted the chickens. <laughs> 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 so, that, was a, that was a funny story. Oh, man. Um, uh, you spoke to like my favorite rodeo memory. My my best rodeo memory. I wasn't even involved in the arena. It was uh it was in '16 when all the guys from Canada won the the world in Vegas. Uh, getting a share in that, we we ended up on a party bus that night and celebrating with those guys. Like everyone always asks me my favorite favorite rodeo memory, and it's that's that's it for sure. Well, and Zeke being from your hometown, like that's such a huge deal. Like being able to celebrate that with those people would have been such a such a cool moment. Yeah, and, and we ended up on a party bus that night. Uh, we rented a bus right afterwards, and Corb was on there. And I think I've been uh, on there for a while too with you, didn't I? Yeah, we we ended up like it started out with like six of us, and by like the end of the night, it was packed. Like remember, like Don and Suzanne Napoli were on there, and Jenner Meston, and Lindsay Butler was singing and Corb was singing and we just got right wrapped and <laughs> we ended up we ended up partying with Zeke and all those guys afterwards and like I remember I remember like seeing Linda right after we found out Zeke won and like I like we're all from Big Valley we all grew up together it was like such it was it wasn't my moment but it was the coolest moment that I ever got to be a part of in 
in rodeo was, was that night and seeing all those guys. What's the most money you lost on a Vegas trip back in your gambling days? <laughs> oh, probably 10, 10K. <laughs> <laughs> that was back in the uh, when you were making that big oil money before the uh, downturn, eh? Because you, um, you and Gator were higher rollers in Vegas. Oh, man. One time we took Teddy over to the high limit slots and we got him playing. I think we won a little bit of money that night, Ted. Hey. Yeah, I think we did, but then I think we lost it all back at the at the link on the on the roulette the next night. Yeah, but we were walking down the Vegas Strip, and we all had, we had all this money. And this guy had this karaoke thing set up on the strip, and you could pay five dollars to sing a song. And Gator just walks up to the guy and like throws him a hundred, and he's like, "I'm gonna be here for a while." <laughs> Gator, Gator just proceeds to like put on like a one hour long concert on the strip. Gator loves that stuff. I remember being, I remember being at in that point. Like I was pretty loaded at this point. But I remember him. I remember the. I don't know if it was a tr- if the three of us were singing it or what it was, but it was Laredo from Chris Cagle. We were singing <laughs> yeah. Laredo on the strip. Yeah, with, with yeah, Gator's hundred dollar bill. And then Gator sang "Amazed," and me and Teddy were slow dancing just randomly. <laughs> yeah. And he's coming down the strip. Oh man, so many so good 10, times. Ten thousand. What's your biggest hit down there? Then you probably had some somewhere you made some cash too. I think my like I think my biggest win like at, on one time was probably like four or five k I think. Yeah. Um, the most I've ever like had in my pocket after a night of gambling was like probably twenty 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 large. Twenty thousand cash you had, or did you have it in chips? I in cash. Yeah. Did you, did you I almost need a briefcase. Yeah, did you take it home with you, or did you like? Is is it as much as we think it is, or is it just like a couple stacks? What is it? Uh, it's not not a, it's very underwhelming when it's in hundies, but I think I don't think I came home with I don't think I came home with any of it. I came home with zero dollars. Oh, you <laughs> lost it back the next night. Yeah, Jeez. just go hard, baby. That was that was that's when you you fly so close to the sun at that point though. You think you're so invincible, like I got 20k, I'm gonna keep rolling all weekend. Next year, you know, it just pit of despair. Oh yeah, you're you're getting bottle service. You're getting a VIP table. Then at seven in the morning, you're walking through the casino looking for something shiny on the. Got your last five. Got your last five bucks. Yeah. But do you look back at that and be like, "Geez, what the hell?" Or, or what do you like? What do you think about that now? Man, I have the best. My best times, my best memories are from from that. So yeah. to me, that was damn money well spent. <laughs> yeah, no regrets. No, no regrets. No regrets. No regrets, <laughs> baby. I love the Vegas. Oh, that's awesome. Well, and you guys went back again this last. Uh, you were just there like a month ago. Yeah, we went and did the Gold Knights, did a Gold Knights game, and uh, yeah. yeah, checked all that out. It was it was it was rocking. Yeah, we're uh, got the itch again. It's been a few years, so. And you had some uh, you had some money, so you uh, again from uh, having a good year. Wasn't it the uh, the chicken feed money or the or the goat feed money? <laughs> like yeah, yeah, you get all the loonies from the, the feeders at Barney's, but uh, yeah, we went down and then. I got totally pissed. Some guy beside us won like 138 large on one spin. Whoa. Oh my god, that's so uh, cool! Nothing gets your blood pumping more than someone winning beside you. And I won. You. I won the money. <laughs> <laughs> what did you think of the Vegas Golden Knights game? Like from a from your hockey back, uh, standpoint? Not there's nothing like it, and I think that it's almost like a blemish on like Alberta teams like Edmonton, Calgary that they're not following the lead on that because you get so much more value going to one of those games than you ever will in Canada. And I think like their teams are stupid if they're not replicating that right now. It's so good. So I think good. One of the things I noticed was the volume. I, I felt like the entire atmosphere was based on the volume. If, if 
if we could crank it up here a bit more, I feel like it'd be a game changer for, you know, I think we have the volume, but I don't think they use it. I don't know if it's like, if it's like team policy or if it's production or if we need some new production crew or like, I feel like Vegas was a lot of volume and like that, that really created the atmosphere. I could be wrong, but feeling the audio side and the production, it was huge, huge difference in volume. You're right. I think it's like why everyone's so salt. Like I say this with like, like not no disrespect to people, but like, I don't know if it's like our season ticket base, even at the CFR, like you go to the NFR, the PBR world finals, it's loud. It's happening. And the CFR, you got people going to Usher saying the music's too loud and turn it down. And like yeah, Calgary, you get like the salty old season ticket holders that are like, don't want change. And no fun. You know, they want George Canyon to sing the anthem every night. Nobody else. <laughs> like, yeah. It's not an entertaining product. That is cool, man. It's, it's, we're, we're so far behind. We don't even realize it. The one thing that I noticed about the union to the football game we went to, like there was never a moment where they weren't trying to engage the crowd. Like there was always something to have you keep engaged with what was happening in the building or on the ice. So it's like, it was always something. Whereas like I went to my first flames game, I guess would have been um, against the golden Knights a couple weeks ago. And you just, there, there's so many lulls in the game where they don't, where they have the opportunity to keep people engaged with it, but they just don't know how to do it or they don't have the capacity for it. That was the one thing I really appreciated. But like, for example, that club we went up to on the one side of the rink where keeping Matt Keenan, like they play the in-game feeds, like the broadcast feed into the speakers up there. So you can hear what's going on in the game. But as soon as there's a stoppage in play, it's straight to like DJ club music. Like there's always yeah. like ways that they keep people, people going, which I really think is kind of the way you have to, even with what we do in rodeo, we have to approach it that way. Um, they find ways to keep people engaged throughout the whole show to give them that much more value. Yeah, I, I wish you could load up, and, I, and which I'm sure most of them have, but if you could just load a bus with everyone involved in like pro sports in Canada and, and pro rodeo and whatever, and just go down to Vegas, go to a PBR World Finals, and say, okay, guys, this is the standard. Everyone do this. Kind of be so much better off entertainment wise. But I, that's a, that's a whole other conversation. I could see Ted already giggling about it over there so. <laughs> yeah yeah another whole story um waste you got anything else what's what's 2022 looking like what do you have like what's there some goals or some stuff coming up that you're excited for getting engaged uh yeah just uh <laughs> man i bought a house that's that's worse than a ring <laughs> we just had a side pot with our so for we, we have like a group chat between all of us us pals and there's a few guys who are kind of we're waiting in the wings to get engaged. I think we should start a little like side pot. We can put some odds on who's who's first to get get hitched. Is Monty has Monty engaged it or is he? No, he's no, got some child, children on the way. On the way. <laughs> so between Monty and Kovey and Teddy, myself, JD, I'm, a, I'm probably the, I'm probably the, the furthest odds. Like yeah, we see the long shot. I'm one. the long what shot. If, <laughs> Gator kids, maybe Gator will surprise us all. Oh, that's true. He's on the board now though because he's like he's him and. Board. Yeah, him and his old lady are pretty, pretty his good, first, pretty good match. Those two. His first yeah. serious relationship, maybe in um, quite a while. In a while. Really yeah, so I'm not, I'm not, I'm not sure if 2022 will, uh, will sprout any engagements uh, in this household, but you know, you never can rule it out. Never say never, baby. Yeah, I'm just, you know, if, you know, I just dare people to put on a good sale and tempt me, I guess. <laughs> but, oh, Eddie, uh, we forgot to talk about the, uh, the Jay Leno thing. We gotta talk about oh that. yeah, that was on the Tonight Show with Jay Leno. Uh, it was in 2008. I was in Los Angeles, and um, I was at Universal Studios with a buddy of mine. This lady came up and she said, "Hey, we're looking for some seat fillers for the Tonight Show. It's taping in like an hour. You tape it at noon or one o'clock, like early." I said, "Okay." So we go and we actually were pretty 
like the third row up at the Tonight Show. And so they film the show in segments. It's not like it doesn't flow like you see on TV, obviously. And um, so at one point in the show, Jay Leno comes out and he's talking to the crowd. And he says, hey, we're filming a segment called Jay's Most Talented Audience Members or something like that. So we're looking for people in the audience with cool, unique talents. We're doing this thing. So you know, anybody, anybody want to? So this first guy goes up and he was a young guy. And he goes up and he's a juggler. So he juggled three cell phones and you know, everyone claps and cheers, whatever. And, and he's done. And then the, the next girl that went up was, uh, I think she did like gymnastics or something. Yeah, she did like a handspring or some crazy shit right up on the Tonight Show stage. He's like, all right, anybody else? And, um, oh, that's that's what it was. The, the best one of the three was going to get a swag bag from the Tonight Show. So I stick up my hand, and my buddy beside me is like, what are you doing? And he points at me. So I go up on the stage, and he asks you where you're from. And I was in shorts, and this was in, like, October in L.A. He's like, oh, yeah, you're from Canada. And a lot explains it, like, you're the only guy here wearing shorts. And um, so he's like, so what's your talents? I'm like, oh, I'm going to play the bagpipes. And he's like, oh, you carry them around in your back pocket? I'm like, no, no, just watch. So I'm like, I need you to hold the mic for me. So... Jay Leno's holding the microphone, like, right beside me. And uh, I did the throat bagpipes. I'm, I'm sure you guys have seen before. I know. I think you should show yeah, us. Yeah, you gotta, yeah, you got to give us an example for the people, man. Yeah, you don't, give don't us hurt yourself, though. Well. Don't strain yourself. Well. Don't strain yourself. <laughs> Uh, oh my god that had the that had the crowd are just going nuts and, uh, <laughs> and Jay Leno was pissing himself laughing and uh, I got a needless to say I won the swag bag and I won the the contest and uh, Jay Leno asked where I learned that and I said oh I don't know at a party he goes that's that strong Canadian beer for you oh dear <laughs> that's awesome man have you ever brought, busted that out at a uh, rodeo uh, event or act like could you do could you actually I challenge you to this uh, before you're done in your rodeo career Brett Gardner sang the anthem in Prince Albert last year but I think you could bagpipe the anthem with your <laughs> <laughs> okay I'll do it <laughs> that's I'll do it that's your that's your, your challenge for 2022 okay. throw bagpipe bag the anthem, anthem. <laughs> it might have to be somewhere like uh, at one of Jim's bush rodeos, but yeah, yeah. watch your Saskatchewan bull riding. Yeah. Oh wow. Yeah. That's yeah. So that was my. That was my. That was my claim to fame. I don't think. Oh, I don't think I've ever really busted out anywhere else that I can Holy. remember. But. That's fucking funny shit. Holy. I don't really have any other thing uh, that my claim to fame is in my life. Getting yeah. any, accepted on a big. Getting accepted on a Big Brother is my only cool thing. Oh yeah, but you didn't go to that either, right? Oh, because we were going to China. Oh, yeah, with the PBR. We were supposed to do that in August of 2014. Yeah, we got – we just got all that money and didn't have to go. But But I don't have much else. Tell that story because that was kind of funny too. China? No, the uh, the Bachelor. No, the Big Brother. brother. Yeah, yeah. Because Wacy, didn't you have an interview with them too? Or how'd that Yeah, I I did. Uh, I never got made to the next round, but I had kind of like a recruiter like reach out to me on Instagram. And then I did like a video interview with her and then, yeah, I like sent her some forms and then she said, I heard from her in December and never, never panned out. Never, 
Well, out. that's that's how I got recruited, Wayne. I was at the CFR in Edmonton. Mm-hmm. And uh, this lady came up to me and she said she was a casting agent with Big Brother. Or no, with a reality show. Uh, CFR, I was doing TV with Paulson. And uh, so then they reached out and I did like probably four or five Skype interviews with like a casting director and the producers from California. And then, uh, you know, I think I got, I had to go through the, like all these like uh, aptitude tests and I had to do a 160 page psychological survey. Holy. And then, um, and then it was in, I can't remember when it was, but then I got, got initially accepted as one of the cast members of the show. And man, like I had plane tickets to Toronto and the whole works. But in the meantime, JD had hooked us up with me and Teddy up with Casey, Casey Duggan, right? Yeah. And, and the PBR was going to China for like three months. And we were going to live on a golf course and be there for yeah. like three months and just do bull ridings and... I was going to do music and announce and write and do social and shit. And Eddie was going to announce and do, I was maybe even going to have to ride a fucking bull at some point. Yeah. So like we were going to China, like the PBR was, uh, was blowing up like this PBR China deal. And they brought all these bulls from Australia and like it was in uh Qingzhou and, um, yeah, it was going to be like this big thing. So it was like, well, do I miss three months of work for big brother? Do I miss three months of work for the PBR? And like in the, in the final minute of decision, I chose the PBR and I turned down big brother and luckily they had like a, they had like a contingent of like five or six people that they could pick from in case someone bailed, which I did. And then, uh, yeah, then China got canceled. Me and Ted never yeah. got canceled like two months worth of rodeos. And then man, like three days before we were supposed to go, Jim Hayworth was the CEO, had like a conference call and they're like, man, China's toast. Yeah. Yeah. And then they, they paid us all of our money in U.S. and yeah, I went on a contract. I went on a seven-star vacation in Mexico with the money and got caught in a hurricane. Fucking <laughs> year got got down here, got mucked out in Cabo in a hurricane. Oh dear. Well, and then good year. You got to tell the story about the about the Big Brother application though. About uh, what was it? What was the deal? Uh, you were with you were with a uh, a partner at the time, and there was a question about like. Or was it about kissing somebody or something? Showmance, probably. Oh, but, yeah, they asked me about they asked me about a showmance. I was doing a Skype, and the, the girl I was with at the time could hear from the kitchen. And they asked me if I would get in on a showmance or, or kiss someone on TV, and I said yes. Fuck yeah. <laughs> you and, said, uh, you, didn't you say, you'd like, I'd kiss anybody to be on TV? Or you had I, some sweet I said, Yeah, I said, I said, I'd kiss a man or a woman uh, <laughs> if it meant winning your $50,000 brick gift card. <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> that was like the runner-up prize back then. It was like a fifty thousand. Oh, that's so funny. Oh, yeah. I guess what else? Uh, what else are some of the goals here moving forward? Like on the rodeo side of things, you you were really le- less busy last year on that side of it. There's still a few events you're gonna go to. Uh, you did some production stuff with Chad with Alpha Bowl. Uh, done lots of production stuff with Calgary Stampede too. Uh, what is what does the rodeo career look like in the next few years for you as far as way things are going with Barney's and you know, what are some of the goals? I guess like, I want to, I'm kind of curious about that. We haven't talked about that in a while. Um, I think for me, like knowing the potential to kind of grow Barney's and, and the business, like that entrepreneurial sparks really lighting me right now. So um, I really want to grow that. And, and with that come sacrifice, obviously on the rodeo side last year, I, you know, I, I didn't go work at Calgary because it was our first week opening Barney's and, and um, you know, I, I mean, I'm 33. Like I've, 
been able to work at Calgary and the CFR and lots of really good, great rodeos. And I think that rodeo is always going to be there. So, um, you know, not that I'm putting rodeo on the, on the back burner, but you know, my, I'm shifting my efforts elsewhere. And not only that, but like, I love rodeo, but rodeo can, can be taken away from you really quickly too. Um, you can be at a rodeo one year, not the next. And you know, that money, there's no guarantees in that. So, you know, I'm going to keep working for the communities that want me to come out there. And um, I really enjoy the production side. Um, Love working with like Alpha Bull and Calgary and doing production. Um, I could see myself transitioning more into focusing on that when I get the opportunity than the announcing, Um, you know, besides being in the arena for a CFR, that's the only rodeo that's really on my bucket list to announce. Um, probably anticlimatical because I've been there so much doing other stuff with the TV, but that would be it for me. I really want to keep growing Barney's. Um, I don't want it to stop there. I want, I want to be involved in numerous other business opportunities and, you know, just keep growing my portfolio of projects. But yeah, I'm, I'm really eyeing in on the production side. And I'd like to see like in the off seasons with Barney's, if if that can grow to more rodeo, maybe other sports, hockey, whatever, but that's where I'm really, really finding a passion again with the creative side of it, because announcing, you don't get to be creative. You're just, you're just part of the dialogue and I love the creative stuff. So um, yeah, that's, that's kind of where it's going for me right now, for sure. How much have things changed working with, uh, with Blair and Cam, like the Christensen crew and, and what are some of the things that those guys have taught you on the business side? Cause they're probably some of the first, some like some of the most, I don't want to say first, but some of the more influential people on, your career and those guys have done very well and there's there's been a lot I want to say you've absorbed a lot being around them and learned a shitload working with those guys yeah and it's it's like you put in the work if you put in the work it'll happen and nothing's impossible right like don't say no to any opportunity like and you could walk you could walk through a trade show with that guy and you know one minute you could be potentially a dealer for portable cell phone chargers and the next minute you could be selling cotton candy machines like it I, I don't know there's just everything's on the table and um man I learned so much like good and bad but yeah like before I was always so like stay in my lane right like I'm an announcer rodeo and check wells and like now I'm like I'll I'll try anything man like I was cooking pizzas and barneys six months ago just to learn it right like you know, like, I don't know, nothing's off the table. I, I just want to go for any opportunity, see what comes from it. Say no, just don't say no. Yeah, just be a yes man. Yeah, yes and, man. Just... And so what are some of the other things you guys got in, got cooking up right now? Or, or can you or do you want to talk about that? Or I'm, I'm curious about goals now too, though, about what, you know, what some of the goals are and how, how you're working things that way. Well, I think like obviously just growth of like what we've got going on. Um, you know, I want to see, I want to see Barney's, you know, to me, when I look at Barney's, I see something that's not even close to complete. You know, it's not like you build a hotel and it's ready to go and that's it. Right. You, you do your thing for me. It's just continue to grow the business and just keep growing it and making it happen. But man, drum heller's so on tap. Like I, I see some really good opportunities down here with like, more tourism options, camping, hospitality. So that's just got me going right now. Like just. Well, if you, if, uh, if you need some help, just let us know. Yeah, you're in. <laughs> I like it. Okay. Wacy. 
Uh, yeah, we're almost to the end of this. It's, it's cool. I'm excited to ask you this question because you've kind of been along for the ride with us since the very beginning <clears throat> of this whole shitstorm that we've started. Um, so yeah, shit the, the shit show basically that we've started. So what the question we ask all of our guests, Dustin, what is your definition of cowboy shit? Man, I've heard a hundred and some plus people answer this question and I've listened to almost all of them. And I was stumped even before I came on today to try and really come up with a, with a good answer. But man, I think cowboy shit is like when the dust settles, when there's, whether you're at a rodeo or sitting in someone's basement, whether you got a full buckle on or, or nothing, I think it's just like the, the, respect and the you know the the friendships that you you make from this whole thing so to me cowboy shit is just like the people you surround yourself with the impact you have on them and the impact they have on you and like for me cowboy shit is like cheering on my buddies you two with this whole thing you guys in my corner you're in everybody's corner and everyone's in yours like that, that's cowboy shit to me whether it's rodeo involved or not we're all just doing it and we've got each other's backs and just making shit happen I think it it could be going from a six figure a year oil field job to taking your life by your hands and taking a job for sixty five thousand dollars less a year and and making a business out of it. That's some cowboy shit too. Uh, I wouldn't wouldn't be able to do without uh, without the relationships that rodeo gave me. So I, I'm true. thankful for that. Thanks, Doug. And even the even the community aspect side of things that that's that's cowboy. To me, that's cowboy shit. Right? Like we're a community, we support mm-hmm. each other. We uh, we're all in it together and kind of working towards the same common goal. I think that's that's a good summation of what cowboy shit could be too. Mm-hmm. Totally. We're, you live and breathe it every day, baby. Every day we're, we're uh, <laughs> and and our and my wins and losses are your guys' wins and losses. Like I feel like we're all kind of tied to it, right? Oh yeah. oh yeah. I like it. Well, thanks, Dustin. Thanks for doing this again, Dustin Edwards, our guest today. Thanks for uh, thanks for joining us, man. This was a lot of fun. Yeah, thanks, guys. I appreciate it, and keep uh, keep doing what you're doing. I can't wait to see where this thing grows for you guys, because uh, in a few years we'll be uh, we'll be talking about uh, what you guys have done. Looking forward to it. Hey, maybe. Well, and if you, for those that are wondering about Barney's Adventure Park, he's closed for the season right now, but where do you open it up again in the spring? Barney's Adventure Park. Check them out, Barney'sDrumHeller.com. But Dustin, give us the lowdown. Some new stuff uh, coming. It's, it's rated 4.9 on Google. Just saying. Oh, oh, oh. he's a big Google right. review guy. Google. How many of those reviews have you written yourself? <laughs> None, <that's all. laughs> I didn't have time. Uh, well, May 1st, or what's the plan? We're opening June 10th. June 10th, okay. And uh, June 24th, we'll be open seven days a week, all summer long till September long weekend. If you like corn mazes, zip lines, pig races, live dinosaurs, if you like cool shit, Barney's Adventure. Watermelon Park. cannons, pumpkin cannons. Yeah. You shoot everything out of that Andy cannon. cannon. <laughs> I shot I shot jello shooters of it at adults, mate. Man, that is so good. <laughs> the, That's uh, amazing. The other part I want to say too is that it's not just uh like it's not just a kid's place. Like Wacy and I went and we had a fucking sweet time. So Wacy Ted Park. Wacy Ted and, and Brinson were the last three visiting guests of twenty twenty one. Up Barney's. Yeah, we saw it. We ran a muck. It was pretty pretty fun time. So okay. Thanks again, Dustin. Check it out. Barney's drumheller.com. Thanks for joining us, Dustin. We'll uh, catch up with you soon, pal. Thanks,
We are back. Thank you for tuning in this week. Won't keep you much longer. Just got a couple more things to uh, to touch on. To touch on. Thanks, to Justin Edwards. Make sure you check out Barney's Adventure Park in Drumheller this summer once they're back open on June 10th. And I don't know what else to tell you. That's it. It's a fun place. We have uh, used to count our Instagram story the day we were there. We had a blast. It's an absolute. If you're in, if you're in the Drumheller, Alberta area this summer, be sure to check out Barney's because it's, it's a it's a hoot. You might it's a hoot. See us there. It's a freaking so for sure see our friend Dustin Edwards. Unless he's not already at a rodeo near you. But yeah, great time. Yeah. Great show. Uh, Waste what do you got for the bottom wrap up for the people? What would be your death row meal? It'd be a really nice. Ooh. Okay, it'd either be a steak. You only potatoes. pick one. There's no either. You gotta pick one, bud. Okay. I man, I really like a good set of ribs. Long Cooked in the oven for a long time. Baby back ribs. Nice. Finish them off in the oven on the uh, broiler real hot. Mm-hmm. You know, get that nice caramel flavor mm-hmm. on them, mm-hmm. on those mm-hmm. suckers. Yeah, mm-hmm. that's, that's that's my jam. Some baby back nice, ribs. Yeah. Probably some like, sometimes I make it easy and I just do like rice and peas or beans. That's your death row meal. Last meal you're ever going to have in your life. Something easy like to go with it. Um, but nice, if I'm at a restaurant, that's what I'm just gonna say. If I'm if I'm no, you're not at a restaurant. There, you're in jail. You're about to get dead. You're about to go yeah. to the electric chair. You can't change it. That's the question. But the problem with the ribs though is somebody else might fuck them up. If I'm doing it, I know that I'm gonna get it right. That's the risk. Steak, I'm more likely that with steak and potatoes would be more likely to be good by somebody else cooking it. But I've had times with ribs where people fuck them up. So that's a tough one. If so, if I'm, if I'm, if, if I'm not cooking it, it's probably gonna be steak. Go ahead, waste. What do you got? Uh, I would do a steak and garlic mashed potatoes for Sugaris. There's a good steak. Good Tenderloin. Good old steak. You know where I've really been craving a steak from lately is the keg. Oh, really? I've been jonesing for some keg lately. <laughs> <laughs> which is funny, but I actually went to, uh, I went to Joey Chinook, which is a restaurant in Calgary oh, here with my, mom and dad, with my mom and dad. And I had their, like, me and my mom got the exact same meal. It was like, it's just like the sir, like six ounce sirloins. Yeah. But it came with peppercorn like these. Steak? No, I'm not a peppercorn guy. My dad got the peppercorn though. Um, but they came on the side with these like mashed potato crusties or something they called them. It was like crusties. mashed potatoes, like, like fried on the outside and they kind of rolled up. Oh, sounds I was mad. It was so good. Oh hmm. man. It was such a good side, but yeah, mm-hmm. steaks, steaks are good. That'd be, that'd hundred percent be my death. That'd right be you. Yeah. One last steak. I'm One more. Steak I'm tonight. La- what are you having tonight? <sighs> Maybe some soup. <laughs> soup. Yeah. Friday night soup. Friday night soup. Some games, watch some soup Star Wars. Night. Yeah, I'll finish, I'm gonna finish watching Star Wars here. Uh, I should go for a run, but it looks cold outside. Yeah. Uh, maybe I'll try again tomorrow, maybe. Um, and what then else, should we wrap this up? Yeah. Well, unless oh, you want to want to do the, well, there's a debate between us that we've already asked this question, but I don't think that we have. Maybe this is something we just I talked about you, before. I would bet you a hundred bucks we already did this. Hundred bucks? Yeah. Hundred bucks. Hundred bucks is hundred bucks, man. If you got a hundred bucks to bet right now. I don't. How confident are you? But I'm I'm pretty confident. I'm I'm confident. I don't have hundred bucks to bet right now. I don't. I don't have it. <laughs> Actually, I don't. But I'm pretty confident. But <laughs> yeah, I think we've already done it. Okay, go ahead. Pose the question if you want. Pose it, man, maybe so. Maybe one of our dedicated listeners can tell us if we've talked about this already. But would you rather had. fight one horse-sized duck or a hundred duck-sized horses? Yeah, you've definitely done this. I don't I don't think I either, either we did that in a show, or we've done this in like on a road trip somewhere. Um. I think it had to be the 100 duck-sized horses. Yeah. 
Because like Horseshead well, Duck would be crazy. It'd be, be scary. scary shit. Yeah. Because yeah. what do we have for what do we have for weapons? Right? But 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 the, with the duck with the horse sized duck, you can get in tight. Like they don't have any arms or anything. They just have their feet. They got wings. Yeah, the wings are gonna do shit to you. They might. They might, but they don't know. I don't know. See, a duck-sized duck is less dangerous than a horse-sized duck because they've got little wings. And 100 duck-sized horses are really small. You just kick them. They go flying around. Man, you get tired. How many ducks? How many, how many horse-sized ducks do you kick before you're too tired What are they, to they going to do? Bite you? They're like mob mustangs, like pawing you and biting you. And yeah, but they're you. tiny as shit. They're like this big. Yeah, but there's a there's a swarm of a hundred of them. No, no. Yeah, ducks are way bigger. Not... Ducks are bigger than this, man. Okay. Ducks so, are like so, this, like... but like this big. This big. Bet you they're, bet you they're, they're, man, there's ducks that are bigger than Ellie. Fuck off. A duck's that big? Yeah, ducks are huge. Star yeah. that big. Yeah, these big ass white ducks. Yeah, oh, ducks gosh. are huge. Yeah, really? so 100, 100 of those oh, fuckers. Fuck, yeah, that would maybe hurt. I ain't that big. They'd, so, they'd and you had 100 that. of them around you at one time. Like, they're swarming. Okay, but what, about, what, are, what are the terms between, of the deal? Like, what, what happens if I'm fighting this, this uh, horse sized duck? What do I have? Spare hands? Thunder and lightning. Look at how big his beak is. It's gotta be they're gonna be nimble trying to get around it. But I I, I would I would pick the hundred size duck horses. Hard duck size horses. <laughs> it's almost like a little like tongue, a, twister. tongue twister, yeah. But I would pick that, but I don't I think I'd get tired after like kicking like twenty of them. Yeah, you might. It's true. It's like it's not kicking. It's true. And what if they get behind you? If they circle around you, then you're toast, I think. Yeah. I don't know, man. Okay, we better, we better wrap this up. Thanks for listening, everybody. <laughs> and this has been Cowboy Show 10 Ways. Thanks for enjoying our ridiculousness and staying tuned for this long. Thanks again to Dustin Edwards being on the show, Sean Morton, our editor. As always, we appreciate you, sir. And Storm Defoe on the graphics and the website and the merchandise. Check it out, cowboyshit.ca. If you got any guest ideas or any... <laughs> Any, uh, what I say? Oh, man, where's our book from Carson Hauser? We never talked about that book yet. Talk about the book for a while. Branding in the Rain. And it's Carson Hauser, right? Yeah, Carson, uh, Carson R. Hauser. Yes. Show, um, show the quote on the inside of the book. I will. I will. I was going to read it a little bit off the back. People. So, yes, Branding in the Rain, a collection of ranching and rodeo poetry, is the first printed anthology from North Dakota cowboy poet Carson Hauser with a ranching heritage Tracing back to several generations and an active rodeo career, Hauser combines rhyme, meter, rosin, and branding smoke to paint a picture of the life he lives and admires. It's cool. He sent both of us a copy, eh? Yeah, yeah. So he let us say, and he also he wrote a little passage in the beginning for both of us, mm-hmm. personalized, which is cool. So Carson's definition of cowboy shit, which is really cool. I'm a big fan of this. Cowboy shit, the desire and action to persevere, promote, and encourage the Western way of life uh, to future generations. Mm-hmm. So I really, I really like how he articulates that. Me it's too. very nice. It's very nice. It's, it kind of sums up our like point or how we discuss it as more of an essence rather than a, an actual like a thing. You know what I mean? It's more yes. of like a way of living or kind of a. I'm a big fan of. Uh, uh, what's the word I'm looking for? It's a big word. I'm gonna sound really smart if I can get it. A credo. Decredo. That's a cool word, hey? Yeah. 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 Well done. Well yeah. Done. So, thanks again. I've read a few of the poems actually in this. They're really good too. So. Yeah. Thanks so check out the Carson. book. Where can where can people get it? Check out. Um. Got some info? Does it say? I don't know if it says. I know he's on the Instagram. That's where he reach out to us. Yeah, check him out on Instagram. Do you know his handle? Off the. Oh, let me find it. Hold on. 
I want to see if you can get it. Yeah, I don't know where I don't know exactly where you can get it, but uh, I'm sure if you Google them. I'm looking it up right now, quick. Gotta get the info in here. It's on Amazon. Oh, there you go. Perfect. Amazon.com. Check it out. There you got it. Yes. Bam. Check it out on Amazon. You get the book. Frowning in the Rain. Facebook. It's Frowning on in the sale Rain by our friend. For $16.99. Amazon.com. Yeah. You won't. Yeah. Thanks, uh, $16.99 well spent. Appreciate it. Awesome. Okay. From North Dakota. Awesome. Thanks, Wace. Let's uh, wrap this up and catch everybody next time.